It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, race fans, Hall of Famer Daryl Walter here. You know, it's time to drop the green flag on another edition of Meaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. So, hey, pull those bells tight one more time. Here's my buddy Hermie Sadler and Senator Bill Stanley. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's see what they have to say, boys and girls. I'm State Senator Bill Stanley, and as always, I'm leaning right. And I'm former NASCAR driver and Fox Sports analyst, Hermie Sadler, and I am turning left. This is another episode of Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacemetic. Hermie, I turned left to get in here. We're at another special place, but we're at your place, aren't we? You want to tell everybody where it is? We are (laughs) live. Well, by the time this comes out, we'll be live. But right now, we're live in beautiful downtown Emporia, Virginia. At Hermie Sadler's Faux Show Bar and Grill in Emporia, Virginia. Man, what a place this is. I mean, I was looking at the menu. You got quite a quite a lineup. We're here at the lunch crowd. There's a trucker over there having himself a big giant steak. Yep. And it looks great. I have to in full disclosure, I have to say, although my name is on the front of the building, Angie lets me have absolutely nothing to do with the day to day operations of this establishment. And that's why it's successful. The only thing I'm in charge of is compliments. Giving or receiving? Receiving. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, and you're also in charge of the wall decor because I don't see a picture that doesn't have your mug on it. There's a there's a picture. There's a drawing right next to your head of it looks like you or somebody like you. Actually, it looks like a, a kid in one of those Sears and Roebuck catalogs. Is that you sitting over top? That's of what I used to look like. What year was that? 1971? 1993. Wow. If you can get me a picture that looks just like that of what you look like in that year. Maybe I'll believe that post. That's me. But then and we got we got you right behind here with Blake Shelton. Yeah. We got you sitting here behind the number one DeWalt car. Yeah. We got you right over there with the NWA wrestling or TNA. TNA wrestling. At the time, the blueprint, Matt Morgan. Mm. I mean, the Rock. The Rock's over here. <laughs> got him on the wall. Is, this is a this is actually the secondary shrine of the Sadler Racing history, isn't it? There's a there's actually a, an office or a, a, like a building behind this building, or is it behind the Oil Brothers, Sadler Brothers oh, Oil. Behind the oil company office, it's a like shrine. a shrine. You call it what you want, but it's kind of like a the old fan club operation that my mom ran for all those years. It's full of souvenirs, trophies, and it looks great. Merchandise, I, memorabilia. I loved walking through there. Yeah, you've got even a big, giant Elliott Sadler Coca Cola machine in there, don't we you? We do that. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. amazing. And you brought you brought company, didn't you? I didn't actually bring company. Company showed up. And we're going to have to introduce him. Actually, we have a history with this guy. 
but he was a part of the podcast that will never, ever be aired. It was either that good. But it wasn't or, because of him. No. It was either that good or it was that bad. Ladies and gentlemen, your favorite town councilman, Shep Moss. South Hill, Virginia's own Shep Moss. Well, thank you for letting me invite myself. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm sorry that that canceled podcast will be my claim to fame with the senator and the driver. It's well, it's, it's actually kind of it's kind of like a cult classic with uh, our sponsor. That, our well, title sponsor loves it. That but, building you're referring to, we always called it the world headquarters of Saddler Racing. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Well, it was everything Saddler. And then you got to give it a little juice, you know. So since... As far as a live, breathing podcast that people are going to hear, this is the first time they're going to actually hear your voice. Tell us who you are, what you do, and oh, wow. why the hell are you on this show? <laughs> well, I guess your invited guest couldn't come, so I invited myself. But my name is Shep Moss. I'm from South Hill. I have been a what I would consider a lifelong friend of Hermie Sadler. And uh, a very recent acquaintance of the senator. And uh, I've been in business there, self-employed, retail for 20 years. You can say the name so, of your company. Uh, memory makers. Yeah. So I do have a real perspective, just like Hermie does, of small independent business owners right here in the Commonwealth. I also am a sales manager at the Boyd Dealerships, which is also an independent-owned business so I've been able to bring a perspective to that business as well as far as being a independent owner. Now, wait a minute. Shep, you work for a car company. You own a small business. I do. Maybe you have some insight to tell me why. Why, oh, why can't Hermie get a sponsor for his Turning Left Moments here on the podcast? Do you have a reason? Do you have an answer? Well, you know, Hermie works hard. And Hermie's got a lot of connections. And I think instead of asking for sponsorships, Hermie always likes to ask for favors and support versus a sponsorship. So look at the just look at the lineup of guests he's brought on this podcast. See, look at the legitimate guests. Look at that. Guests. <laughs> look at the legitimate guests that have been on on this podcast. Okay. It's amazing. I don't know. It's that, that that is a good point. And but with all that, all that oomph. All that juice. It's a lot of juice. Don't you think, you know, memory makers might want, want just to sponsor at least one? Once we get up to about 80,000 viewers on the podcast, then I think we could get in. See, that's what well, we've that's been up hearing. That's okay. And as a senator, to, as, as the, well, it's a ROI. You got to have return on investment. I agree. You know, so. I and agree. as the, as you mentioned, Senator, here recently, I have dabbled in local politics on our town council. And how's that working out for you? Uh, well, it's it's been a, a uphill battle. I'm not going to been education. I'm not going to put lipstick on a pig. Uh, but I will tell you that my views seem to align very closely with yours as well as Hermes. So I've been extremely interested in watching this process and watching uh, this podcast grow and and uh, I'm just real interested in what y'all are doing. Well, we're having a good time doing it. And, uh, and I think we're talking about a lot of things that are important to people. And then talking to a lot of important people that Hermie knows that, that are important to listen to. So, Do you find on the local level, because one of the things that we see happening with our ongoing litigation is a lot of things tend to be done in the back room or behind closed doors when 
transparency doesn't seem to be the number one priority. Do you see that on the local level as well? Well, I definitely think with um, the more tenured council members that their more conversations are held with those members. Uh, and I do think that information is shared more freely with the more tenured council members. Of course, I'm coming up on two years now. Uh, my perspectives and experiences are different from most all of the other council members being a independent business person, uh, being investment investing and taking those financial risk in our community for over 20 years, a lot of our council members are now retired. They've never relied on a cash register to ring to provide for their family. They've always had salaried or public jobs. And uh, I do bring a different perspective and see things, what I like to think from a business perspective, and we just don't align on a lot of issues. We just don't. You know, and that's that's a great point. He brings up a great point about having a businessman, a business owner, a small business owner in government at whatever level, whether it be the local level or the state level, uh, which would be a really good thing. Wouldn't, there, wouldn't it be a great thing to have maybe a, a state senator who is an owner of a local business right here in this area? Oh, it would be awesome. It would be awesome. And you know any? You know any? Chef, you interested? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm not quite there yet. But, you know, the whole the whole issue that, that y'all have really taken head on and addressed with the skill games, it's not about the games. It's about allowing small businesses to make decisions and try to thrive and be successful and provide jobs in this trying business environment. It is very, very hard right now between still uh, dealing with pandemic issues. Now we're dealing with out of control inflation, supply chain issues and businesses are having the business models are changing by the second, literally for small independent businesses. And to have this issue uh, or source of income attacked by our own state government is mind boggling to me. The state government should be doing everything possible to support our businesses here in the Commonwealth, especially our locally owned businesses here in the Commonwealth. We are the businesses that are providing jobs, paying taxes, uh, providing services to the community. And we should be allowed to legally, legally is the key word, provide those products, services and goods. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And you know, so to bring everybody up to speed who's been listening to this podcast, a lot of convenience store owners, we touched on it last uh, podcast, but I think it's worth repeating. Uh, just this week, the judge entered the order continuing our court case till November 2nd. That means all the machines, uh, under about 10,000, a little over 10,000 that were registered under the ABC licensing are allowed to continue now to operate past the May trial date. We would have won that anyway, but we continue that court case because we're worried about concerned about someone trying to legislate through the budget, limiting or eliminating or banning or overregulating these skill games. And so uh, both parties decided it was in everybody's best interest to wait and see. Usually we come out of a budget in March. We had a May trial date. Had they tried to put something in the budget, we could have amended our complaint. They could have answered, could have briefed it. We could have gotten a trial. With this being upended and, and the rumor being that it might be included in the budget language, everybody, both the plaintiff, the United States, I mean, the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, the Attorney General's Office, the ABC, the, 
The governor's office agreed, let's wait out and see what happens so we can fight this battle once and not twice. And we're going to talk about that in a little while. That was truly the, the reason. But what we're seeing right now, Shep, and maybe you see it at the local level, is that in making sure that we keep the games that are allowed to be kept on during this time, during the injunction, we're seeing a proliferation of illegal gaming. And how does a local government try to combat that? Now, the problem is, is that it kind of tries to scoop up legal gaming, the skill games that are in it. We have a problem in Pennsylvania County right now where they're trying to zone them out. They're trying to call any store, including a convenience store that has a skill game in it, an adult entertainment center, which I don't know what your definition is in South Hill, but an adult entertainment center in Danville uh, is a body house, a strip club. And I think that's unnecessary. They're trying to use their powers through zoning to keep out skill games. At the same time, they're trying to fight proliferation of illegal gaming. What are you seeing in terms of the fight of illegal gaming and then creating that balance with legal skill gaming? Well, my experience has been that people just don't understand, A, the industry, B, they don't understand the injunction, and C, they don't want to address it. So, like locally, our Commonwealth's attorney, he is not interested in pursuing eliminating the illegal games. He doesn't want to touch it. The, uh, well, because I don't think he knows what to do. To be honest, it, the first strategy was this is going to be uh, decided on in May. It's only a couple of months. Just let it ride. Well, now with the continuation to November, now we're looking at another six months of really a lot of illegal and nefarious activities with these illegal games. And yes, I'm, let's remind everybody, the Commonwealth of Virginia, the General Assembly created that problem by doing away with the ABC oversight and correct. regulation to begin with. Correct. So so on the local level and in my area, it's like, well, nobody's regulating it. We don't know who is supposed to regulate it. And they did not read and understand the injunction. And that's where, you know, my conversations with Hermie and, and some with you. Hey, it all comes down to the type of machine, whether it's skill or um, chance. And if it has the yellow ABC sticker on it or not, it's real simple. And my concern now as a local government official is with this injunction extended six months, why as a community are we going to not use every tool possible to eliminate illegal activity in our community? Whether it's the illegal games, it's illegal drug use or sale, it could be prostitution, it could be child pornography, it could be any list of illegal activities you want to bring up, we know it is happening. Why are local governments and local law enforcement officials not addressing this issue? Well, and I think, you know, we have had an illegal gambling law on the books forever. That doesn't change. Correct. So games of games of chance, video game terminals, slot machines, those are illegal, have always been illegal, still maintain they're illegal, except in perhaps the Rosie's area and the casino areas when those things are running. And I'm glad you touched on that, not to interrupt, but I don't think people know what a game of skill versus a game of chance is. I, I don't think that the people connect with The best way to explain it in the slot machine is a good in one. In layman's terms, if you go to Atlantic City or if you go to Las Vegas 
Well, if you go to the, one of the new proposed casinos when they come to Virginia, when you go to their slot machine, you put your quarter, nickel, dime, dollar, whatever in the machine, and you push the button or pull the handle, and you hope. And that's the game of chance. That's the game of chance. The, it, the odds are predetermined, and the machine hits every so often. So the owners and operators of those machines know well in advance, all day, every day, what the payback on those machines are going to be, what's going back to the player, and what's coming to the house. It's predetermined. Games of skill that we have, like in truck stops, convenience stores, restaurants, that it's been the center point of this whole fight For on behalf of small years. business. Literally 30 years. Is a game where the outcome is based on the skill of the player. It can be a skill game like we've got at the truck stop next door where you put your money in and there's different hand-eye coordination and, and interactive portions where you interact with the game to give yourself a better chance to win. It could be Pac-Man. It could be Galaga. It can be a crane game. It can be shooting basketball, basketball shot. at King's Dominion. Any of those things where the outcome is dependent largely on the skill of the player. Now, what would be an example of a illegal game of chance that the average person listening to this podcast might see in a location? You know, I hear about the fishing game. Uh, fish games tend to have skill associated with them because you have to aim and hit the fish like with shooting. the spear. Like right. It's like a shoot 'em up yeah. game. Shooting so, fish in a barrel. Mm-hmm. So what would be one, a typical illegal machine that they may see just in a convenience store when they pull up this afternoon? The, the, tricky, part, the tricky part about that is, is they all look from just by looking at Layman's them. Eye. And that's been one of the things we fought in our lawsuit. Yep. Was we've, we've proven in court that you can't just pick a game you want to get rid of based on what it looks like. Correct. So you walk into if you if you didn't know anybody, you walk next door to the truck stop. If you didn't know what a skill game was or how to play it, you'd look at it and say, "That looks like a game I would see in Las Vegas." Correct. But it's not. So that's been kind of one of the things is you know if if you say you want to ban skill games, that's really not what they want to do. They want to ban skill games that are in convenience stores, truck stops, restaurants, and bars, but only those that look like slot machines because they have never said anything about our coin pusher games, claw games, anything of that nature. Because so, the casinos don't offer that type they don't of offer entertainment. Yeah, so that's exactly you're right. getting down to the real you well, know, brass tax side. And they don't offer it right now. I mean, the chances are what they want to do Correct. is wipe out all these games and then come in when they've, when they've put down the bricks and mortar and say, Oh, by the way, you know what would help drive business to the casinos if we could have video slot machines or skill games in these convenience stores. But, oh, by the way, we'll be the ones to provide them. Correct. And so then they control the marketplace. They'll just have a lease agreement. Instead of a small business owner saying for themselves, I want to use this skill game from this producer, you know, this provider, and put it at this store so my so my uh, customers have an add-on, added value uh and a reason to come in the store, maybe buy, as Hermie, you've said a hundred times, chips or sodas or, oh, yeah. or gas or whatever. And, um, you know, I, and it, it takes the control out of the small business owner, puts it in the hands of the casino. I said this in an uh, interview with a media outlet that we'll talk about later in the show. I'm going to call an audible senator. What we're going to do, finish up this conversation. Then we're going to bring in our guest, Kenny Wallace. Amazing guest. Have him as our guest. And then we'll follow up after that with another segment and get to the leaning right and the turning left to close out the show. But I, I, yeah, I, made, I thought Shep was on here to be funny. And so far 
He's yeah. all, all business. I made this comment to this person this morning about Rosie's in the casinos and how they've tried to, through lobbying the General Assembly, target these specific games. And I told this guy, I said, imagine being a part of an investment group that's willing to come. Let's just say there's a Rosie's coming to Emporia. They sure. broke ground a couple of weeks ago. Imagine being an investor in a company that's confident enough to come to a place like Emporia and invest $15 million in a facility and infrastructure and talk about how many jobs we're going to create and how much revenue we're going to create. We're going to donate all this money to charity and do all that. But yet, at the same time, they're worried about two skill games at a convenience store on the other side of town. Right. <laughs> it, doesn't match, it doesn't match up. It doesn't match up. It just does not match up. So, but I think this conversation right here is this goes back to why the local governments are not interested in addressing this is because I really don't think, although you do the weekly podcast, you've done, a, I think, an excellent job of, of public relations, but I don't think they understand what we just talked about, yeah. what the issue is and how to address and look, it. We all tend to stay away from things that we don't oh, absolutely. understand. Absolutely. You don't want to be like as women. a... As a Commonwealth attorney or as a law enforcement official, anybody, you don't you don't want to try to go have to have a conversation about something that you don't know enough about it to discuss. It. And not to jump topics, but Senator, we mentioned this about a month ago, the exact same issue with marijuana sales in Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's coming up. This same type of issue is coming to local governments again. Yeah. Uh, and what are I we guess doing in with, November? I well, guess it'll be on the ballot. It will, in November. and you might be able to exclude it from your area. You might not. So through That's, zoning. Yep. That, that it could. may be there. That may not be there. That the final iteration of the marijuana legalization bill in Virginia has not been determined. So it would either be by right or by zoning. Correct. And it could be the same way with the game. Or a county could say we're not having any dispensaries or distributorships or anything like that. I don't know about the farming part. It's a 300 and some odd page bill. Right. Uh, it was a monster. It was terribly written. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we're squeezing out the small farmer to grow it because we're only going to let the medicinal another small Another small business. There you go so. again. And you know what? We get so drunk on, unfortunately, the money that comes that is supposed to flow into the Commonwealth of Virginia. We go from saying we'll never, we'll never have gambling, we'll never have riverboat gambling, and now we got riverboat gambling, or at least we have casino gambling. And but then when you say, okay, we're going to bring it to Virginia, you're letting the outside sources, the out-of-state resources, take that money right, make that money in Virginia, and take it right out of Virginia, and we're not allowing small business to be a part of it. Or small farmer in the marijuana uh, instance. So we we have created quite a mess in the last two years in the General Assembly, and it's on us to find figure it out but we we love to kick that can down the road as long as we can we can have this discussion for days and days and days we will come back after i guess kenny wallace and have another in-depth discussion about this also get to our leaning right and turning left moments for the week but next up senator shep one of my all-time favorite people is our guest one of nascar's all-time greats behind the wheel behind the mic and all things in between. Trust me, he'll have plenty to say. He's still behind the when we get him. He's still driving. When we get him He's on the show. Him. So we'll be back. This is Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with our guest, the one, the only, Kenny Wallace. Kenny. 
Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Hi, folks. This is Hermie Sadler. Thanks for listening to our all-new podcast, Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I hope you are enjoying the show as much as Senator Stanley and I enjoy bringing it to you. Whether you're a family traveling together or a truck driver hauling freight up and down the highway, I hope you will take the time to visit one of our Sadler Travel Plaza locations in Virginia and North Carolina. Sadler Travel Plaza locations are licensed dealer locations for pilot travel centers. And we also carry Shell Motiva Petroleum products for our four-wheel friends. We pride ourselves on providing one-stop shopping for service, food, and entertainment. Our food options include Five Guys Burgers and Fries, Quiznos, Dairy Queen, Hermie Sadler's Faux Show Bar and Grill, Victory Lane Restaurant, Hunt Brothers Pizza, Dunkin' Donuts, and much, much more. Our locations include Sadler Travel Plaza in South Hill, located off I-85 at Exit 12. The Sadler Travel Plaza of Emporia, which is conveniently located on exit 11B off I-95, and Sadler Travel Plaza on Highway 58 in Suffolk. We also have our North Carolina location, Sadler Travel Plaza in Dunn, North Carolina. That's exit 75 off I-95. We appreciate all of our customers, and Bill and I appreciate you listening to Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. And we're back. I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Staley, and I'm always leaning right. And I'm former NASCAR driver and Fox Sports analyst Hermie Sadler, and I am turning left. This is leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic from Fosho Bar and Grill in Emporia, Virginia. A wonderful restaurant. Great food, actually. I've had everything fried so far, and it's great. So the Senator and I are on. We've also got Shep Moss, buddy of mine small business owner and sure. member of town council in South Hill, Virginia. And our guest is, I guess a good way to say it is one of a kind. Where is the drum roll for this one? we got to have a <laughs> fancy drum roll for this one. This is a big <laughs> deal. Big. This is a big deal. It's huge. It's bigger than some of the ones I've had on big that deal. I brought on. The one, <laughs> the only, Kenny Wallace. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny. Thank you so much yeah. for being brave enough to join us on this train wreck of a podcast, leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator. I am honored to be on this show. You two are legends. I follow your every move on Twitter, and you're brave, you're bold, and uh, yeah, I'm excited that you asked me, Hermie. So we got a lot to get to, Senator Stanley. Now, just a little bit of a uh, history, Kenny. Even before I knew Bill as a legislator and, of course, a famed uh, trial attorney as well. He's been a, a lifelong race fan. Absolutely. He came to Martinsville to watch us race, you know, way back in the day. He knows more about racing. I'm not going to say more about racing than you do, but he knows more about racing than I do. He's he's a fan of the sport. He's a, a fan of the drivers, obviously. A huge uh, proponent for short track racing uh, all across the country. He's doing a lot trying to get things done in the legislature to, to try to help small tracks, uh, short tracks, uh, and the fan experiences all across the Commonwealth of Virginia. 
So I know this is a, a exciting time for you too, as uh, as well, Bill. It to is. have Kenny on the show. It is, and if I may introduce you the same way by saying, look, he's not a lawyer. But he loves lawyers. He loves using lawyers. He loves being litigious. He loves suing. He probably, <laughs> probably knows more about the law than you do, Kenny. And he probably knows more about the law at this point than I do. Or at least he tells me. Oh, show. Yeah. <laughs> Look, see, he knows product plate. Kenny, Kenny, I hate to tell you, this is my second podcast. Your first and my first uh, never got aired. So don't put a lot of faith that you'll actually hear this interview, Kenny. It was so bad slash good that is it will never see the light of day. It it's in the archives. It is. Uh, it's, we play it only at parties with adults at them. But, uh, man, it is so nice to see you. So great to have you on here. When when Hermie said you were coming, I, I just about jumped out of my chair. I mean, this is the greatest thing because I'm going to start off by saying, if you can't swing a dead cat around your head and not hit a Kenny Wallace video on YouTube or Facebook. I mean, he is everywhere. <laughs> He's everywhere. Well, that's a whole new beginning now. What happened is uh, Twitter, Twitter became uh, very toxic for me. And I've got a local <laughs> friend here uh, named Charlie Marlowe. And Charlie said, Kenny, you need to give this YouTube a chance. So, uh, I'm learning to quit arguing with people on social media and just give my thoughts on uh, on YouTube. And it's it's way easier. Well, I, I think, you know, the, the four minutes of Kenny, I call it, you know, he's sitting on his couch. It's the morning after you yeah. can tell he's probably having his first or second cup Look, of coffee. I like and he's it. Every time spooling. he's got it figured out perfect. Every time before he goes to his first dialogue, he. He, he's, he's bringing the cup of coffee back yeah, down. Exactly. Yeah. He's, not, he's walking you right into it. Yeah, he's, he's just reeling you right in. And then he's got that look on his face, and sometimes he's got bedhead, which makes it even better. Oh, yeah. And then he just yeah. talks his talks whatever's on his mind, and it's usually 100% perfect. 100%. I love it. Because so, we're leaning right. That's right. <laughs> My first question, Kenny, is the first question that I get everywhere I go. How's your damn brothers? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> well, Rusty is doing good. Uh, he owns like nine dealerships up around the Knoxville, Tennessee area. And uh, they kind of run themselves. The dealerships are well-oiled machines. He's, he's got some great people in place. I think what Rusty's really doing right now that a lot of people aren't aware of is uh, – He's building custom-made motorcycles with his son, Stephen Wallace. Wow. And they're having the time of their life. And uh, it was the great Walker Evans. Uh, you know, Hermie, when we would race at Dover, Rusty would leave on these airplanes with Mike Helton and all those NASCAR guys. They'd go out to Sturgis. And that's how Rusty got involved in these motorcycles. So he's doing good dealerships in Knoxville and building custom-made motorcycles. And... Uh, my brother Mike, uh, Mike's doing good. Mike can live on land himself. That's all he needs. And uh, he's a mover and shaker. He's a mover and shaker uh, in Salisbury, uh, North Carolina. He owns some property there, and he's developing. And uh, he just he he's doing good. My, I get a chuckle every time I think about it. You know, most of my career was spent in the. NAS called Xfinity, the Bush Grand National Series. But the occasional time that I would run a Cup Series race over the years, of course, we always had to go to a driver's meeting. And 100% of the time, not 90, not 95, not 99, but 100% of the time at the Cup Series driver's meetings, 
Rusty sat on the front row. And Always. every time they said, does anybody have any questions? That some bitch put his hand up every <laughs> single time. He was going to ask a question of something. Yep. Well, th- th- I think sometimes he was being serious. Sometimes I think he just did, was doing it to aggravate whoever was hosting the meeting or Mike Elton or somebody. <laughs> Do you have any comment you can add to that? I, I just That was my highlight of every driver's meeting was Rusty throwing that hand up when everybody else was ready to go. I, uh, I always... I always told Rusty that he was busy being famous. <laughs> <laughs> he, like uh, like that too. It, Rust, it, the truth about that matter is Rusty wanted Rusty wanted the limelight with Dale Senior, so he didn't want you know he wanted to be eye to eye with Dale Senior, and, and and that's that's the God honest truth. And if you look at any picture. Any type of big, you know, let's say there was 43 cars in the starting field and it was the last race at Wilkesboro or the first time in Japan. Rusty and Rusty made sure him and Earnhardt were always together. And uh, <laughs> Ru- Rusty just wanted to remind you that he was good. And he and, and that's just the way he is. That's the way he operated. <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny. He says, I remember our interview with Chris Williams, where he said that Rusty wanted his hauler with all the merch Next to, Close to, to Earnhardt, yeah. yeah. Chris Williams, who you know, you know he, we work with him now yep. on the Smart Modified Tour, but he was really a part yep. of that merchandise boom, you know, back in the early to mid '90s. And he made the comment that Rusty told him every week when they brought the Miller Genuine Draft Hollers in, put mine beside Earnhardt's. You know, <laughs> yeah. a, crowd draw, a crowd draws a crowd. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. And Rusty, and and Rusty if the line was too long in Earnhardt's, just cut Rusty. Over. Yeah, they go get Earn, they go get Rusty Wallace stuff. A very smart businessman told me one day that he wanted his convenience stores right next to Love's. Because if he could just get the cars that were didn't want to wait in line, he could sell enough gas to make a living. There you go. You Who's said that, that guy? <laughs> that was you. I think he there. had a senior in front of his name. <laughs> oh, Herman Senior. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Now, now I have a question that just brought up. Now, your dad is named Herman. Right. Which you then have the name Hermie. I'm, I'm Herman the third. It took him yep. three times to get it right. So I guess at a young age, you became Hermie, right? Since, since I can remember, since birth. Okay. So I'm trying to figure this out. And, and it's ever been, because look, I've watched you on Speed. I've watched you on Fox. I, I just love watching you on TV racing or, or talking. But they would call you, uh, Kenny, Herman. You, yes. Yeah. Now, L- let, me, let, me, is, let me show you why. Hold on. Okay. Let me grab it. Uh, we just right. turned left. <laughs> Herman, Herman the German, <laughs> was a was a medieval warrior. Yes. With his, with his with his wife, right there, and, and and that is a real that is a real deal. So if you Google Herman the German, he was a medieval warrior. Yeah, Herman and, the German. Uh, yeah, when my dad raced, uh, when my dad raced, he was um, dad was always winning. And they did not like us. Actually, they hated us. And I was always defending my dad. And uh, so some big German man named Bob Miller nicknamed me Herman the German. And uh, because I guess I reminded him of Herman the German. All right. Now we're going to have a Chinese fire drill here so we can all see you because you obviously have stage props. And we're looking at uh, Brad Tuesday's computer. So I'm going to switch over one. Come on over. Thank you. 
almost a Chinese stoplight. Oh, oh dude, that sucked. <laughs> I love this. That sucked. You know, when we were kids, they, they had a thing called uh, Chinese fire drill where we'd come to a park yeah. at the stoplight and we'd all get out of the car and run around and then get back in. That's what you all just did. Yeah. Well, we tried it. <laughs> well, we would have gotten, we've held up traffic on this one. Now, now everybody can see it because yeah. you've got visual aids behind you. So you were oh, named yeah. Herman the German and that just stuck all through racing and everything? Yes, that, that's Herman. That's Herman the German. He's a was a medieval warrior, and that's his wife. And uh, yes, so a guy named Bob Miller named me Herman the German. He was a he was a big uh, guy, six foot six German man, had a crew cut, and I was always in trouble. I was very unruly, and he nicknamed me Herman the German. Well, there you go, and it stuck, just like you, Herman. Yep, and then. Then it became Herman and then Hermanator. <laughs> so so you were saying you were talking your your dad, Russ, was a very successful race car driver. You know, I'm, I'm of course, besties with uh, Hermie over here. And, and I've heard a lot about Herman the second or Herman Jr. Junior, yeah. Uh, and and his love for racing and, and the, how the kids got that love. I mean, is that just growing up around racing? That's how all three brothers got involved. Yeah, exactly. My dad was a rebel. Uh, from, from, you know, mom's still alive, living down there in, uh, in Mooresville. Uh, and we lost my dad, Russ, in October 30th, 2011. But mom will tell the story that, you know, dad rode a Harley Davidson in the city of St. Louis and always put my mom on the back. Dad, dad said he would always slam on the brakes so he could feel my mom, my mom's boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he made that bumper sticker, you know. Hey, no wonder Rusty, no wonder Rusty's making motorcycles right now. He's, yeah, right. Because he got one that right. uh, gets that kind of result. Yeah, but dad, dad was a rebel. You know what I mean? Harley rider, uh, but a good soul. Not mean. Had to survive in the city of St. Louis. So uh, learned what it took and just had a good friend, uh, which was a guy named Orwell Herzog. And he said, let's go to the races. And that's how it started. And I just got lucky. I was born into a race. My dad raced for a, a, a hobby. And I would say my dad was the Ralph Earnhardt of the St. Louis area. Dad won a lot of races. Now, my dad was from Hannibal, Missouri. He was born and raised in Hannibal, no Missouri. Yeah, right up the way. That's big. I, I, I raced there up in that area a lot. About, oh, 15 miles from Hannibal was a little town called Quincy. Yeah. Quincy, Illinois. Oh, yeah. And, and I, raced there, I raced there on Sundays. And uh, you cross the Hannibal's Iron Bridge to get there. Yeah, you got it. Uh, Hannibal's very famous. Hannibal's a great place, of course, home hometown of Mark Twain and my father. And then, of course, my uh, my nephew, my cousins still live there. Marty Niehoff there, Christy Niehoff there. And um, used to spend every summer. Uh, we would drive the family truckster. You know, you were describing the uh, station the Chevy wagon. Chase metallic P right. family truck. Right. right. With the back seat facing backwards. So you would be, you know, car sick within the first 20 minutes and then you got over it. And we would come from Virginia all the way to Missouri, cross through Quincy, and then uh, and then spend two weeks in the hottest place on earth, Hannibal, Missouri, in the <laughs> midsummer. I mean, they would sit there at a park. We go we go eat and picnic at a park, and this you know it'd be ninety eight degrees, and the breeze would come, and it felt like a damn you know blow dryer in your face. And my grandma would go, "Ooh, feel the breeze." <laughs> well, you you had and it's your town, but just uh, another part of that hot equation, you. You have the Mississippi yes. River, right? Yes. I mean, right there. Hannibal is on the Mississippi River, so uh, yeah. 
That's a that's a big old river. That's wide. Yeah, and it's got a lot of flies, mosquitoes, and yeah. But fishing was great. <laughs> Just couldn't eat them, but you could catch some big catfish. Kenny, uh, you and I raced um, in what I thought and still think is just the greatest era of of NASCAR racing. You know the you know the the showing up at Bristol for 150,000 people, not necessarily to come see us necessarily, but the the sport, the trajectory it was on at the time. And then obviously we went through a little bit of a lull as far as the, you know, the, the, the times and the fans and all that. And my, I'm curious to know, as we sit here um, in May of 2022, your overall assessment of what you see in NASCAR racing now, uh, the product, the new car, the, the drivers, what's good and what needs to be better uh, in NASCAR in the eyes of Kenny Wallace? Well, you're 100% correct. You and I were very lucky individuals. We came into NASCAR at the perfect time. I tell people that all the time, Hermie, how lucky you and I were. We came into NASCAR. I came in in 89, well, 84. I was a crew chief in the Cup Series, and then I went back to St. Louis to learn how to race. So November of 88, I moved down there with you all, and um, – I think just a couple of years later, it just exploded. And, uh, you know, we we were part of that. And then I like to say that you and I got out at the right time as race car drivers. Um, you know, there, there was a big societal shift in America with the invention of the cell phone. Uh, everything changed. You know, uh, everything changed. And then NASCAR made some bad decisions. They, they forgot about, you know, sold out 60,000 people at Rockingham or, you know, Wilkesboro. And they and they left everybody. Uh, and I talked to Marcus Smith about this, you know, Bruton Smith's son, who's now running SMI. And he said, Kenny, you know why we did that? He says, we left those places because we felt like we needed a bigger arrangement to, to serve more race fans. But then the races got bad because the tracks were too big. Um, and then all our country, country Western people, you know, our, our, uh, our Southern people, they felt betrayed and they, and they left, they left in hundreds of thousands. They left in droves. So, um, you know, Steve Phelps came on Sirius XM about two years ago and said, look, we made the mistake. We're trying to fix it. And, um, it's just very simple. They, they left what got them there. They should have kept Rockingham. They should have kept Wilkesboro. Here, look, in baseball, they got Wrigley Field. They kept the field, and I've been there. They, they've, they've made it better. They didn't get rid of it. They don't get rid of Fenway. They don't get a Wrigley. They got rid of two of the most legendary tracks on the circuit. And, uh, you know, they left their roots. That's all there is to it. And, uh they didn't know that the people would rebel that bad. And then the other thing was that, you know, if you remember that whole saga where if you went to Texas, they made all the fans buy Friday, Saturday, Sunday tickets, Hermie. It, it, instead of just, you know, the fans just wanted to go on Sunday. It got super expensive. And uh, so now they're crawling their way back. Uh, I will say that they're, they're you know, after, after 15 years of complete misery, with the invention of Twitter and everybody just trashing them and beating them up for 15 years, 
I, I say we're we're on the road to recovery right now, and uh, but I don't think you're ever going to see 250,000 people at at Talladega again. I don't think you're ever going to see 350,000 people at the Brickyard. But uh, uh, we're on the road to recovery. But it was a painful 15 years. It, it changed so much. I mean, the last few years I did TV, Kenny. I know the same for you too. We could go to the racetrack in the morning. We could leave the tunnel and go have lunch across the street at the mall and come back. <laughs> it was bad. Back in the 90s when we were doing it full time, you got to the motorhome and you were afraid to leave the racetrack, not knowing about traffic and other things, trying to get back in. I mean, it was just an unbelievable spectacle of of, of people and things. And But, you know, but Kenny, and you never had a problem with this, obviously, but a lot of times when I talk to people now, one of the first things, of course, you say this a lot, and I mean it, and I believe it to be true. Some people just want a bitch. They just want to have something to complain about and get on Twitter, and they think somebody's listening. But one of the things that always comes up in people's conversations with me is, what happened to all the personalities with the drivers? Where are all the personalities? So, you know, you were one. I give Rusty one. My brother had an extended career, in my opinion, not only because he was good on the track, but he was great with sponsors and fans and, and all that. And we just don't see as much, you know, Tony Stewart's gone, you know, that, that who's going to be the next driver outside of Kyle Busch, maybe that can step up and have a big enough personality to, to reach not the hardcore fan, but the mainstream people and try to continue to bring them to our sport. So you're going to give me two minutes here. All right. <laughs> uh, Hermie, do you remember the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake, Nipplegate at the at the Super Bowl? Remember that? Uh, oh, I do. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, he's I, I think about okay. it every day. I've forgotten since. Hermie has oh, that okay. downloaded on his phone. <laughs> that, that, that's saver. when the what was it? FCC yeah. got involved. Okay, so that that very moment, Hermie, we the next week. Um, we went to, and I can't believe nobody brings this up. It, it is exactly what happened. We go to Rockingham and NASCAR holds a big meeting with all of us drivers. And they told us uh, that if we are, if any of us drivers in NASCAR are caught cussing or doing anything wrong, the drivers are gonna pay the fine. And that was all because of that Super Bowl deal. That Super Bowl deal changed the trajectory of all of us having fun on national TV. Uh, then, you know, Dale Jr. got fined for using the SHIT word. Uh, you know, he got fined at, at Talladega. Uh, you know, Rusty obviously would get fined. And, and what happened, Hermie, was everybody was got was afraid. The, the sponsors want to serve 100% of the people. You know, they don't want to serve 50% of the people. Now, everybody is scared, and now they've got used to it. And now what we got is people that are just scared. Uh, you've seen, you know, Harvick has pretty much left Twitter. I mean, he's, he stalks everybody. Uh, Tony Stewart's peeled out. Uh, you know, he finally found love. And, uh, the, the, you know, I love found my him. God, I'm so happy, whatever, I'm happy for him. 
because he's a much better person now. You know, Tony came to Bike Week at Daytona, and he was a load of fun. Uh, oh, so, but, Kenny, but before, Hermie, before you get to that, are you trying to tell me that one nipple caused all that trouble? Yes, yes. <laughs> Just think what it been if it's two. So. Oh, two nipples. <laughs> Jesus. One nip- be and, and, let t- and, and, and let me tell you how. Let me tell you how right I am. Uh, I was, I was, you know, I got Sirius XM in my my truck, and uh, I was listening to Howard Stern, and he brought it up himself. That's the day. That's the day the music died, and and it, it amazes me that nobody, you know, Howard Stern remembers it, uh, and, and I remember NASCAR having that big meeting, and from that day on, corporate America made their drivers aware that if they mess up. You know, I mean, uh, it's so stale. You know, I, thank God for thank God for Joey Logano wanting to, wanting to wreck everybody right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hermie, Herm, let me mention this because this I think this goes back to what uh, Kenny's talking about. Two things in the '90s that were exploding were racing and wrestling, and. You know, wrestling, which you can correlate with, has gone through a lot of the same changes that NASCAR has. You know, back in the 90s, you had the Attitude Era. You had Stone Cold. You had The Rock. You had all these big rivalries that made people tune in, and it was cool to watch Monday Night Raw. Well, a lot of those personalities have gone on to other careers or retired. Very similar to NASCAR, it wasn't cool to watch it anymore. They had lost that edge to keep you on your seat to see who was going to get the checkered flag, and more importantly, what was going to happen after the checkered flag dropped on pit road with the fights and the tussles and the arguments. So I think it's a lot, it's very correlating how both industries are trying to come back to mainstream now. By going back to what they used to, and the funny thing is that, Kenny, you just mentioned it, that here corporate America was basically giving the word, sending the word down to NASCAR, NASCAR sending it down to the drivers. No swearing, right. no, you know, you got to dull down the personality, don't have fun. And yet, you know, if you think about their advertising strategies, especially recently in the last 10 years, they're some of the most provocative envelope pushing oh, yeah. stuff. But you can't have fun. But by the way, that's reserved only for us. I mean, that, that's corporate America for you. Well, you know, Hermie ran a promotion. Then it got to where you couldn't have blood. You couldn't have the profanity. You couldn't have oh, in wrestling. Uh, the, the, the skimpy outfits with the girls. You know, everything got which tamed was, down. Which was the ultimate deal, bro. And that was, I mean, that's when we <laughs> shut it down. Hey, UWF <laughs> shut down when that happened. But, you know, again, it goes to trying to please 100% of the, the viewership instead of dancing with the one that brought you to the dance. Well, and I think, Kenny, Kenny, you said this again. Uh, when they started expanding out into the West Coast and stopped paying more attention, you know, they were dividing their attention with the South, which started racing, you lost a lot of fans. He's exactly right. You lost me for a lot of times. When they go on the West Coast trips, like, I don't watch Vegas. I'll watch yeah. Texas. You know, but I just don't. I'm, they're just not as fun. They're not historical. They're not, they're not what you grew up watching. And, and now everything's corporatized as well sanitized as well as now Kenny's saying. And I think that's that's what they got to come back from. So they need some Ty Gibbs wanting to throw a one-two combo in the pits during Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's Absolutely. like Leonard Skinner is real popular on the East Coast, not so much on the West Coast. Kenny, you and I, I've got, Bill's got 17 pages worth of questions to ask you. <laughs> some will get mine in. I do. We had a debate here on this show a couple weeks ago between Bill and I and Jonathan Brown, who's our a uh, weekly driver on our open wheel modified in the smart tour. When the Ty Gibbs thing came up uh, on pit road, 
at Martinsville, they there there started to be a bunch of debate amongst NASCAR people, some drivers, but also members of the media on whether or not Ty Gibbs should have taken his helmet off during that <laughs> altercation. Everybody had an opinion of he should have taken his helmet off. And some would say, why would he take his helmet off? Where does Kenny Wallace sit on helmet gate? Just exactly what you just said. I don't know what the hell is going on there. I was born in 1963. You were an idiot if you took your helmet off because then you would get hit. You know, we're, we're, we, we grew up, listen, we're, we're St. Louis, Missouri. We don't fight fair, okay? Right. right. We, we, are, we, we don't, there's no, there's no such thing as fair fighting. We're going to get our lick in and then we're going to run. You're going to chase, chase us down. But, you know, the way I looked at it, I watched that replay over and over. You can see, you know, Ty, once he knows he's in this argument, he reaches up, he's trying to take his helmet off, and and all hell broke loose, and he couldn't get his helmet off. Um, I'm under I'm under the circumstances that I'm going to enjoy the show. No, nothing's fair, nothing, you know, it, it's not laid out. It is what it is. And and for us to sit back here and now, now that it's over. Now we're going to say what he should have done. I think that's silly. And I think people don't think for themselves anymore. Somebody says something and everybody goes, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I will. I just think it's silly. He didn't take his helmet off. That's that. And I'm glad but I, I, I was a helmet on guy. See, it now proves that, see, I'm, my lineage is Missouri because my dad used to tell me the exact same thing, which was, Pop the bully in the face and then run like hell because all you got to do is outrun them. And yes. usually they're chubby. So you can just, you got to have endurance and you got to have speed, get a good yes. shot in and then run like hell. And that's, that's yeah, actually hey, one of your fighting stories. A piece of worthless information, Kenny. The senator's nickname growing up was oh. Q Tip. Just, just passing that along. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Hermie. Well, question, Senator. Well, no, no, that's just not fair because then he doesn't understand. Look, in the 70s, here we go again. Uh, first day of school in Virginia Beach. My dad was in the military, so we were living in Virginia Beach. Mom dresses me up. Brand new white Puma sneakers, you know, like in the 70s that were really sweet and hot. Baby blue Levi corduroy pants. I look sweet in those things, too, even as, you know, it's a little baby, kid, a little baby, eight, nine, like year, Azad, nine, ten year old. Azad, baby medium blue. shirt. And in the 70s, oh, uh, Kenny... I had an afro. My everybody had long hair when my dad was on deployment. We all did. Yeah, but mine <laughs> grew out. So it was a it was a big giant white afro, and so this uh, bus driver. I walked on bus first day, full of kids, Virginia Beach. She goes, "Oh, look at you, little Billy. You look so cute, just like a little Q-tip." And I went, oh, oh, oh. and the whole bus went silent. That's and stick. okay. That name chased me all the way <laughs> up stuck. to Northern Virginia to my college, and now to the halls of the General Assembly. Thanks a lot, Hermie. I can't believe, Senator, that I have all this show and tell. Okay, speaking about <laughs> Afros, this is Victory Lane. My brother, Rusty, Mike, all of us. Oh, oh yeah. That <laughs> doesn't even fit in the picture. Man. Okay, that was hey, about what it looked like. Except mine was now, white. Well we, well, well, we got them on purpose because back then it was cool. They called perms. Yeah. Our hair was actually straight. And, and we got perms, man. Uh, it was awesome. Mine was naturally curly. It just has no chance. So mine was like out. I mean, it looked in the school pictures, you know, when you had your students next to each other in your class, the lady to my left was like leaning over because my hair was in her picture. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. And it looks ridiculous <laughs> now. I love it. Kenny, uh, Senator Stanley, we talked last night and we went over some things to talk about. And one of the things I think I'm paraphrasing, 
his question was, he said, did you and Kenny ever have any quote-unquote run-ins on the track? <laughs> and I said, I, off the top of my head, I couldn't think of a time that you and I had any kind of issue on the track. The only time that I can remember us having a meaningful wreck together was at the inaugural race at Homestead. And I guess that was 1995. And Kenny, I, I'm, I'm humble enough to say and confident enough in my own self to say you went on and had a much uh, more productive career uh, on the track uh, than I did. And but no. when I when I look back, when I look back at, at races and say, how would things be different if that race outcome would have been different? So you and I and I want to get your you and I have never had a crossword about anything that I can ever remember. And you and I've talked just briefly about this. But what I remember about the inaugural race at Homestead was I remember John Monson. That was his first weekend helping me. He, was, he came to help me the last weekend of that season in preparation for the following season. There was also the first weekend that I ever ran an Olin shock on my car. Harry Reid came in and worked with us to get Olin shocks on my car. And I remember Chris Rice, who you know Chris as well. He was a crew chief of yours for many years. And I know y'all are close. He came along. He was helping me and spotting for me that weekend. We laid down in the hotel room the night before the race and said, I think we had qualified seventh. We said, you know, if things go our way, we'll we got a good enough car long run, we'll have a we'll have a shot. The middle part of the race, I don't remember a whole lot, but I remember I think Larry Pearson got sick or got overheated as a driver during the course of that race. And he came in at the middle part of the race and got out of the car and took a shower, maybe, changed clothes, got a hot dog and a hamburger. Uh, IV and the whatever, and then came back, got back in his car uh, in the later stages of the race, and there was a caution late. I think Larry came in and got tires, got back in the car, and there was maybe five or six of us that had stayed on the track. But I remember Kenny and I racing, coming to the white flag, and Larry comes in on new tires and runs into me. I run into Kenny. One of the hardest hits I had ever had. It knocked me for a loop. <laughs> it was horrible. I mean, uh, knocked me for a loop. And what I remember after that, Kenny, and I, I want your input, What the only thing other than saying, wow. And I, who knows what had happened on that last lap of that race? We'll never know. But that's, that's about the only race that I'd say, how could that have changed things for me winning the inaugural race at that racetrack? But the only thing that still burns me up to this day is that not only did Larry Pearson – Never showed any remorse, any apology, any. When I went finally and talked to him about it, it was my fault that we had wrecked. And <laughs> old school. What do you remember from that? From that? From that day leading up to that? And that was a that was a bomb of a wreck. I mean, I've never hit something so hard. Yeah. But there was no safer barriers Nothing. back in those days. So I I remember that race clearly. I had a I had a really fast car and a bad pit crew. And uh, we had led the whole race. And at the very end, everybody pitted except me. And I was afraid to pit because I knew I'd lose the lead. Uh, so it was basically my fault. And I remember uh, on a restart going through turn one, but uh, I had slipped up a little bit in turn two and you got underneath of me 
and and we were going to race for the win. And I remember exactly what you just said. I remember we were going down into turn three. And remember that track was shaped just like Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yep. Uh, it, was, it was shaped like a, a shoebox. Yeah. And um, you're right. I mean, Larry, hit the hell out of you. And, and you're right. That was probably the second hardest hit of my life. And uh, I cried. I literally cried. Uh, when I got when we got an airplane to come home, I mean, it destroyed that car. I had to throw the car away. Yeah. And uh, luck, luckily, we didn't get hurt bad. But uh, it was at, at the time, it was a devastating blow to me because at that time, if you want back back then, let's be clear, Hermie, if you want a Bush Grand National race back then, you was almost as equal as a cup guy. That's right. Now. Now, yeah. when you win an Xfinity race, it's like it never even happened. Yeah. I don't know what happened there, but uh, I know that when I know back then the Cup guys raced with us a lot, and uh, you know, we, you and I would have to outrun, you know, Earnhardt and Harry Gant. And, Look, I know, uh, the, I know it, when we wrecked at Homestead that time. And I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you and I had both wobbled out of our cars and talked to each other before Dale Jarrett even got to us. And he ended up winning the race. <laughs> you know what? You took the words right out of my mouth. How how come I cannot be running fourth <laughs> yeah. and win the damn race? <laughs> but look, oh, he uh, was, so yeah. to answer Bill's question, uh, far as I know, Kenny, uh, no. even back when we started, when I had my best years driving the Virginia's for Lovers car, we ran. You know, we were up in points together a lot. I don't ever remember a time that you mistreated me or, or raced me dirty or did anything, whatever. Uh, so I don't, I don't think he and I have any kind of uh, beef whatsoever. But my question no. to you is, is there anybody from that mid-90s era that really got under your skin to a point where it still bothers you? No. No, because I, uh, you know, I, I guess I learned right away. I learned right away from uh, Jack Ingram, Tommy Ellis, Tommy Houston, uh Harry Gant, we raced on a lot of bull rings back then, Hermie. And if you got moved, that meant you you were in the way. And uh, hell, I spent more time trying to save my car from being moved <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> you know, b- back then in South Boston, if you remember, if we just got our right front to that person's quarter panel, you know, you had to stay in it because yeah. passing was a premium back then. We, we raced so hard back then that, you know, and, and we put on a hell of a show. And actually, in a weird way, that's another thing that went wrong with NASCAR is we put on shows back then. We were beating and banging, and, and it, it was good racing, but, but it was hardcore, and we, we grew up tough, you know? One of the, the – the, I will have to say, he probably won't remember it, but I did have a – unpleasant altercation with your brother Mike one time um, my first trip to Watkins Glen I was driving to the 25 Virginia's for Lovers with Bobby King and and I legit overdrove turn one that downhill turn one on the final lap or maybe the white flag lap uh, oh. and, and we were only racing for fifth or sixth or something but you know I got in there too hot wheel hopped and, and hit Mike I think he was driving the nine uh, back in those days and I came around and finished, and I was a rookie, and he was a veteran. And I'm going to tell you what, he stormed in my holler and came up in there, 
and I don't mind telling you, scared the shit out of me. He was, uh, <laughs> I mean, he had the eyes and all that, but you know, he told me what he thought, and he was exactly right. And I stood there and took it. But over over the course of time, we now call that Angie, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but he he was exactly right. Should have been mad. Was but you know, even moving on from that, all the Wallaces. I ran. I remember going to the Milwaukee Mile my rookie year, ninety three. Um, for that race up there, which I always love going to that racetrack. And Rusty ran that one of those Bush Grand National races that we were in up there, maybe 93 or 94. And I just remember looking at the entry list going like, oh, man, Rusty Wallace, you know, this is going to be terrible. He's going to kill us, you know. But he always yeah. accepted us and talked to us and made everybody feel welcome and nurtured the younger drivers as they were coming along. So I, I, I look back now and have nothing – uh, but fond memories of all my experiences with the Wallaces. And I hope you can say the same thing about the Saddlers. Oh, my God. 100%. Hermie, you're building us up too big. I admire you guys beyond belief. Uh, th- this is not a love fest. But, uh, but no, I, I thoroughly, Mike, I had a wonderful career in, in the NASCAR uh, Bush Series. Uh, my career went went bad and it became miserable for me when I went to the cup series. Uh, somehow I wish I could just blank my cup career out. Uh, but the, the Xfinity series, which, uh, you know, that was, that was awesome. That was the time of my life. Well, let me, you know, you bring that up about Mike. Uh, was there ever a time where you got to run a race against both your brothers, all three Wallaces on the same track? I mean, that would be a rarity uh, uh, if not oh, yeah. the only time it would have happened. Yeah, I remember the first one because they made a, a little trading card out of it. <laughs> it was actually a Phoenix, Arizona. It was a cup race, and all three of us were in the same time. But after that, it became a little more regular. Um, obviously, you know, incredibly proud of my brother. I've answered this question over and over. Um, I love my brothers immensely. There was never a sibling rivalry. Uh, Rusty was damn good, and uh, – He's the alpha male, and, you know, we uh, we just wanted to do what our dad was doing. But, uh, you know, my dad was a great race car driver, and then Rusty come along. and You know, it, it's no different than Ken Griffey Jr. or Ken Gr- Griffey Sr., you know, or the Andretti's or the Unser's. Whatever your dad does, you just, hey, I want to do that. And, uh, you know, I, I love my brothers. We get along great. We get along even better now. But uh, there is – there is – Truth to competition will kill you. Just those three words, competition will kill you. Competition yes. will kill four. <laughs> four words. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe it was counting dineros on Mexican. I'm not sure. Uh, Spanish, huh? No, no, that's inflation. Yeah. See, that's, oh, that's true. That three words inflation. now become four words. That's the value. Hey, Kenny, you'll be happy, yeah. you'll be happy to know um, I can read through the lines on your social media stuff that Senator Stanley – uh, is a staunch conservative, and yes. so I'd like for y'all before we. I know you got to get going, and but uh, just curious, uh, share with Bill kind of your overall stance on that you share a lot on social media about the what's going on in our country, inflation, and other issues that you see, and how you've chosen to handle it, and but also while at the same time trying to wake people up and get them to notice exactly what's going on. Great question. I'm get, glad you asked. Um, I'm scared to death for America right now. I feel like uh, 
Elon Musk put a meme on Twitter about two weeks ago that was totally accurate. You know, back in our day, a Democrat was somebody just wanting to give people that don't work money. And, and you know, and we argued about it. Nowadays, you've got a group of people that want to change what made America so great. Uh, you know, the meme that Elon made was, look, the old Democrats are still here. But between Kamala Harris and AOC, they've gone, they want to change America and they want to ruin it. And I don't know where the hell they got this from. But in November, uh, America needs to stand up. And, and really, for me, it's just about quality. Uh, you know, our forefathers made these rules. And there's a reason that everybody on planet, global Earth, everybody wants to come here. But I still don't understand why they want to change. When I say they, I said it. Kamala Harris, Obama, AOC. Why do they want to change the greatest country on earth when we love it? You know, you can, it, it just, it, it is mind boggling what's going on right now. And in November, we better wipe them out. It better, it, it should be 90, 10, 90% Republican, 10% Democrat. It, it's a tragedy what's going on. And it's devastating to me. It makes me mad. Yeah. And, I, and I'm with you on it uh, naturally, but you know, I've always said it's kind of like we're being punished for our past, but our past, as imperfect as it was, reflected the times. And yet, look at how far we've come. We've, we've become that more perfect union uh, that they subscribe. They, we have become more diverse. We are more accepting and equality matters. But at the same time, uh, this level of tolerance or lack of tolerance, a tolerance is now defined by the left as saying, if you agree with me, then I'll be tolerant of right. you. If I disagree with you then you have no purpose in offering your opinion. And I don't care what the First Amendment says. We said that this, Hermie, in last week's podcast, that it seems to be flipped. You know, it used to be the Democrats in the 60s and 70s were all about, you know, the little guy and, and the, the amendments to the Constitution. Now they want government overreach. They want government overpowerment. That When they want your opinion, they're going to give it to you. And it's the Republicans, the conservatives, that are for the little guy. Because you know what the little guy did? He built America. He and she built America built a damn good country. Uh, the only time you see Americans pouring over the border is when they're having a, a sale or, or a special at one of the hotels in Cazumel, and they come right back. You don't see the Canadian, you know, us run into Canada. No. Uh, this is the best country. People want to come here, and if they do it legally, they should. And why are they coming to the United States? For the same reason why you and I love America, because it's the greatest place on earth to be, live, raise a family, and, and be who you want to be. Well, when thing. you go away from your roots, we were talking about NASCAR early in this segment, how NASCAR changed and they lost their base and this, you know, they went through a big lull. Yeah. We could take a lesson from that right now. And I think NASCAR is getting back to being America, you know, they, yeah. you know, where, where they've taken off the national anthem from showing it on TV at a basketball game. Uh, you still have that. You still have the prayer. I'll, I'll give them that. I mean, it's still America's sport, I think. Um, and that's what's most important. Plus it has all the great heroes and, and man versus machine is the greatest story in America. And we invented cars and, uh, and we invented them to go fast. And now we show them off. So, you know, I think God bless America. Right, Kenny, uh, do you have any questions for us by a steam panel before we let you go? <laughs> no, 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 no. I have questions. Oh, you, oh. yeah. See, he's trying. He I, hasn't I flipped the first he, page yet. All right, go ahead, Kenny. I do have, I do have a question for, uh, for all of you. Do you believe, uh, just because we're talking and having fun here, 
Do you believe that in November that the Republicans will take over everything, the Senate and the House? Uh, as the uh, as one of the legislators here, duly elected, just like you, Shep, yeah. you're a councilman. As a state senator, absolutely, it's going to be a bloodbath. And I think that's why you saw the leaking of the uh, Roe versus Wade potential okay. opinion. I think they want to do everything uh, to misdirect people away from why we have high inflation, why we have limited liberty, why we have burning streets and, and such conflict. They want to create and sow more conflict than they want to create unity. And I think just as you said earlier when we got on this topic, man, we, we ultimately all know that we may not be perfect. We ain't perfect, but we're the best, closest thing to perfect that you can get in this world. And we've got to do everything we can do to preserve it. And the first way we do it is at the ballot box. So, yes, I think it's going to be a, a, a midterm uh, I, just tsunami. I would argue that it actually starts tonight. Was it five states that are holding our races tonight? That is the primaries. In yeah, the, the primaries time. tonight. So mm -hmm. I would argue that it even starts tonight, leading up to November. Yep. Hermie, what do you think? Because, you know, Hermie may be running for an office. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, state senate. Sit right next to me. These, these folks want me to run for the open Virginia state senate seat here <laughs> in the newly drawn 17th district. Kenny, you know me well enough to know that I would not be a good politician. <laughs> no, we lose our mind. We <laughs> no. No, we, we'd be like Trump. We'd tell them the way it is. <laughs> but we need that. We that absolutely would be need. a sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> See, there you go. So, so all right. So I wrote down questions, and I made the mistake of sending them to Hermie because we usually just do it. Right, you we, get one more question because I told him 30 minutes, no. and we've been on for 50 minutes. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Uh, this man, this man's time is valuable. No, but I, I said, can't afford him. I've never prepared for a podcast, but when I heard Kenny Wallace was coming on here, I had some questions that were burning Stop. deep inside of me. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously about you. Now, 1988, in the fall of 88, you got your first ride in Bush from none other than the Intimidator, Dale Sr., in the eight car right. in the Bush series. And right. I believe it was at Martinsville. Walk us through that yep. a little bit. I mean, how special was that? How did that come about? What do you remember from the race? So my brother, Rusty, uh, was running the Cup Series for Blue Max. And, uh, you know, Rusty uh, was wanting to help me make it down to Charlotte because Remember 1984, I was already down there as a crew chief. Then I came back to start my racing career. 1986, 87, 88, I was running ASA, which at that time was, you know, the biggest short track series in America, the American Speed Association. That created, that created Mark Martin, Alan Quickie, Rusty Wallace, uh, you know, those, those great racers. So, I had, I had won uh, the Rookie of the Year and had three good series here, but Rusty said, Herman, I want to pay you back. He says, there's a team down here, Don Miller out of Winston-Salem. That was Shamrock Racing there. But anyway, uh, fast forward. Cox Treated Lumber wanted to put something together with Rusty, but me as the driver. So Rusty decided to to build a Bush Grand National team and have me as the driver. Well, NASCAR would not allow me to just show up at Daytona. You simply can't even do that to this day. They have to see you race. So uh, I had to build this portfolio and uh, I'd already run my ASA car at Michigan, uh, Winchester, Milwaukee. Rusty got together with Dale Sr. And, and, and Rusty told Senior, he said, hey, Herman needs to drive your car at Martinsville so NASCAR can see that Kenny can drive. That's the only reason we did that. 
and, and it was just crazy. It was unbelievable. It was a dream come true. I showed up, you know, we tested. I think I finished 12th. Uh, NASCAR liked what they saw and they approved me so I could come race with Hermie the next year. And they said, okay, we like what we saw. Now we want you to go to Daytona in January and test. And then we'll decide if we let you run at the Daytona race. And testing went good. And I showed up and sat on the pole. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Hey, I got it. So it was, yep, that was it. So Kenny's talking about the process about being approved to race. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. My first year going to Daytona, I had gone to test preseason testing it it, it early. But I went to 1993 was the first time I went to Daytona. Back in those days, as you remember, Kenny, we had to get our physical done at the racetrack in the infield care center. Whereas yeah. now, whereas now you can go to your personal doctor or right. you know whatever the case may be. I went down there, Kenny, and then you had to do a physical. Then they give you a, a vision test right there <laughs> at the racetrack at Daytona while you're there to get your certification. I was in there the same time as Robert Presley, and he got a zero mm. on his vision part of his test. And I don't know whether oh. he didn't have his glasses or didn't put them on. Or, <laughs> and I'm thinking. They gonna let this guy on the racetrack, and he can't see between here to the wall there. But that's the only thing I could think about was Robert Presley, and I still laugh about it to this day. The fact that he absolutely was blind as a bat, and <laughs> one more race is not here. <laughs> what did well, you those, What did those, you rank though? I mean, looking at those big old glasses right there. I mean, those look like. Uh, well, the good you know. news is it doesn't matter anymore. Okay. Uh, were, were you, oh, I mean, you, you look good sitting there, Bill. That was 30 <laughs> years ago, Bill. I mean, you could kill 30 it. 30 years hey, ago. Hey, look, you got out in the sunlight right there on the sidewalk, you could kill an ant if you just put his glasses Start over top of some bitches. I mean, I mean, those things are thick. All right, what's your other question? All right, I, I have a couple. All right, so so that in 1990, after you raced for, for Dale Sr., of course, now NASCAR likes what they see, your first cup competition was at no, none other than North Wilkesboro Track where uh, right. you did real well, and then I think a, a late crash put you in the back, kind of, and there was a controversial finish. You remember that race? Yep, I remember it like yesterday. I, it was a cup race, and I was running really good. It What it was is Rusty. Uh, we had a guy named Randy Hope. Randy Hope, uh, I think, of Columbia, South Carolina. He was an insurance guy, and he we, we put that cup car together, and I was running damn good. And uh, at, late in the race, Davey Allison run out of brakes going into one. I mean, just knocked the hell out of me, spun me out, wrecked me. And, and that that was the caution. It, it, it wasn't me wrecking. It was Davey just, and, you know, he said it afterwards. He run out of brakes. And, uh, hell, we weren't even down into the corner yet. And uh, But I was running good. I was on the lead lap. Things yeah. were going good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but that, that car was interesting. Randy Hope. Uh, he paid for that cup car. No, yeah. Well, those I guess they were cheaper back then, but not. Hey, aren't you not impressed with the senator's knowledge of Kenny Wallace and his background? 
Yeah, I really am because I almost <laughs> forgot about that race. Uh, if, if you become yeah. my friend, I'll Thank take you, you down to my basement and show you the Kenny Wallace shrine I got, you know, with the candles and everything. <laughs> yeah, he, he's kind of sitting in front of one. I wanted to know what the name of his restaurant I mean, was because it kind of looked like Hermes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the Hermes Sadler Shrine restaurant. <laughs> and then, and then uh, Kenny's got his own little thing yeah, going on in the back, doesn't he? Yeah. So, all right. So, so because I followed your career and I followed you all the way uh, through. So, North Wilkesboro. You know North Wilkesboro is opening back up. And in August, we're going to have a couple 50-lap Smart Series players uh, races. Uh, Sadler-Stanley, or is it Stanley-Sadler Racing? Sadler-Stanley well, Racing. When I'm by myself, it's Sadler-Stanley. When you're by yourself, it's <laughs> Stanley-Sadler. Stanley Sadler. <laughs> All right, SS Racing. Uh, we've got a car. I mean, we've got Jonathan running the 22 uh, on both of those races. Is that right, Hermie? I've asked Hermie to run in North Wilkesboro. He has said... That he is. I've agreed to do <laughs> one more time, Senator. You know, I have to listen to my wife, unlike you. Personally. I'm doing Motor Mile in the Smart Series, and I'm going to do Martinsville in the Wheeling. And so other than that, you're going to have to find other quote-unquote legends, that well, you call them. Well, the, the famous number 16, the Sadler 16, and then we got the 39 VA, which is what Ryan ran in the Wayland race. Yeah. Um, we may have a seat open for one of those 50 lappers for Herman to run for Hermie. Do Ooh. we not? I mean, well, can wait, we can it, we ink a deal right all, here? It's August, August 1st and August 2nd. It's two oh, days of racing. The practice on a Monday and race on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. 50 the lap, Holy Bible. Yeah, yeah. 50 lapper tappers, smart races, open wheel modified at the legendary North Wilkesboro Speedway. Hey, Bill, while he's checking August, his calendar. August, August 1st is a Monday. Yeah, that's practice day, oh. and then race Tuesday and oh. Wednesday. Everybody keeps calling me. Sorry, we're good. Yeah. Uh, I'm leaving for Sturgis with Rusty on Thursday, August 4th. I'll, that's possible. All right, we're gonna we're gonna pencil him in right now. Okay, <laughs> it's two days. It's two seats, one car, two seats. Right. Right. Okay. I mean, wouldn't you? Or how about this? I mean, at least consider when the Smart Series picks back up, running at least one of our cars in one of the oh, Smart yeah, Series. We, we, I, I don't think there's any question, and I don't want to speak for Kenny that when he's ready and healthy and Available. scheduling yeah, scheduling works out. That he can pick a time, come to North Carolina, visit his friends, do all that, and slip over to Caraway or something and run a race. But we are running two races at North Wilkesboro Speedway. If you'd like to take those under advisement, you can certainly do that. All right. As your lawyer, I advise I you to like take that. it under advisement. So uh, now, now. I, so, I like that. Let, let me, yeah. Thank you. Please pencil that in for us. So, and I've got a rapid fire because I'm uh, Hermes yes. looking at me because I'm taking up your time. But these are things that I was thinking about all last night. So the big story was. Well, you know what I'm going to do? What? You know, you know what I'm going to Yep. David Reagan just called me. Uh, NASCAR is about 30 minutes from me. They're over at, at Worldwide Technology. Uh, Ford, Chevy, and Toyota are over there with the wheel load, all the cup cars. When I leave here, I'm going over there to say hi to all the. Cup guys, they're over there testing right now. Just the test guys, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to go over and see them. Nice. And you know, David Reagan does all that testing for those guys. Yeah, that's right. David's a good guy. Okay. So now my question was, you used to have, it was, legend was is that you, when you were running Cup, had a go-kart track in your backyard that was so yes. dangerous that your insurance company threatened to pull all homeowners insurance away from you if you kept running it. True or false? 
Uh, somewhat true. Uh, not exactly right. But what happened was we, we had a go-kart track, a, a, a fun one. And it was just meant to be a fun little go-kart track. Well, all of a sudden, I go to Hickory to race, and I go to the bathroom, come to find out my crew chief, Steve Bird, had taken all these, printed all these 8x10s off and posted all over Hickory, go-kart race at Kenny Wallace's. And, <laughs> oh, my God, we had like, I actually, it was so big the next day, I got a fine for $25 from the city of Concord for holding too big of an event and not having a license. So um, I ended up uh, calling uh, WKA and, and the go-kart, you know, sanctioning body, took pictures of the track, sent it to him, and they, they, uh, they sanctioned it for a little bit so I could have some type of insurance. But what shut the go-kart track down was the next day at Charlotte Motor Speedway, one of the crew members that was racing there, remember this event was huge. I mean, we had a, we had a, the, you know, a national press secretary at the time that got shot for Reagan. Uh, Brady was there. Brady, James uh, Brady. Brooks, Brooke, yeah, Brooks, Brooks and Dunn was there. Down the state, Perdome. Uh, everybody was there. Thousands and thousands of people. So this one kid comes up to me the next day at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. He goes, hey, Hermie, you know, I got hurt. He says, what was that insurance people? And, and I looked at him. <laughs> I said, you really? You're... I, I called up Ronald Overcash. I said, Ronald, take your bulldozer and, and level my go-kart track out. <laughs> when, and, and, and my brother Rusty told me that desperate people do desperate things. And he was right. I got rid of my go-kart track when somebody <laughs> wanted to know where my insurance was for them getting hurt at my go-kart track. Smart move. As your lawyer, I'm going to say that's another smart move on your part, Kenny Wallace. I'm, I'm going to give you can't a, have fun anymore. No, Cannot have no. Fun it's, anymore. The, it's the NFL No Fun League. But all right, I'm, I'm rolling through these questions because these are really important. Look, I was a speed channel junkie. Kenny, yes. you, Hermie, what the hell happened to speed channel? Why'd it go away? I mean, I could watch that literally, leave it on, fall asleep, wake up, watch it go to work, come back, it's still on, watch it again. You guys were awesome. It was one of the best channels ever. What the hell happened? So uh, Eric Shanks, the president of, uh, of Fox Sports, uh, so like the only person bigger than him is probably Rupert Murdoch, right, who owns Fox. So they wanted to compete with ESPN. Everybody wanted to take ESPN down. So everybody wanted a sports station. And uh, they got rid of speed. They buried it on purpose to create FS1. They did that so they could uh, try to get a little piece of the uh, ESPN action. And when they did it, uh, Eric Shanks looked, looked me right in the eye and I don't mind saying this because Jacob Bowman and everybody knows it's true. The president of Fox Sports, Eric Shank, said, Herman, he says, it sickens me to get rid of NASCAR race day. But I, I believe by the time they paid for everything, I think the show was like 800 grand to do uh, because the racetracks were, were mean back then. They, they were charging just for that spot. That's when everybody was, you know, getting stupid, right? So mm -hmm. let, let's say Charlotte Motor Speedway was charging speed $60,000 for that plat, that area. And uh, 
it cost a lot of money to put that show on. So they just they just got rid of speed to start FS1. And that isn't now that you've brought it up, that is that is another piece of the pie that that you know and inevitably buried NASCAR. And and that is per everybody in, in the uh in NASCAR. Yeah, because uh, they've all said that. Yeah, because FS1 is not racing all the time. Or not about cars all the time. I mean, you get, you know, English soccer, which for me is like about watching paint dry. But so let me ask you this real quick. Uh, what was your favorite paint scheme on your car? Mine was the Dirt Devil. Uh, when you ran the Dirt Devil, I think it was 90, 90, 91, 92, 93. Uh, which one did you like? Because you also brought back Furniture Row or started Furniture Row in NASCAR. And we're running that car, too, uh, near the back end of your career. Correct. My, uh, my, my favorite, I have three favorite paint jobs up. One was the Aerosmith car. Uh, actually it's right here. Um, he's pointing back to a picture behind him right there. Oh, there you go. That's hold on. Oh, he's a Cardinals fan. That's awesome. Right. Uh, go Redbirds. Right there. That's the Aerosmith car. Great. That's Steven Tyler. That's our, that's us at a concert, but, uh, I like the Aerosmith car. I uh, I loved my uh, Bush Grand Ashton car, which was the Cardinals car, and um, the Red Dog car was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you, those three, those three made me happy. He had a lot of great paint schemes back in the day. And uh, all right, my final question, because I'm going to cut a couple out here. How much are you loving it right now? Running dirt modifieds, kicking ass. I think he's at the top, top of the points in this series. Oh wow! How much fun are you having? He won. He won two races this past weekend. I'm not a stalker. I swear to God. All right, maybe a little. Uh, I'm, ah. <laughs> I, I'm, I am, there, there's that old phrase, and it's so true. I I swear to you, my hand on a Bible. I'm living my best life ever. Uh, I don't need to race. I'm just racing because I like it. Got them four grandbabies. We got a great family going on, and. Uh, this is the way it should be in retirement. I'm having a good time. That's excellent. And uh, and I'll let you know that I got Hermie back into an open-wheel modified. Well, actually, into an open-wheel modified first time. Got him to run in a race that I, my law firm, the Stanley Law Group, had sponsored at none other than the Motor Mile, one of Rusty's tracks. And I he did it. good. He did great. Hey, hey I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there. Uh, I'm, going, I'm not doing hardly any appearances this year, but I am going to the Motor Mile on september 10th Ooh. a saturday night hey bill talked me into getting into an open wheel modified kenny never driven one so i'm happy to say that i actually qualified mm -hmm. top 10 maybe yeah. 24 25 cars had a good time my only injuries i sustained were from trying to get in and out of the car <laughs> <laughs> i thought I, he was going to hey, say the race suit because i, I want to see him get not. in the suit I do not get in and out of the car as good as I used to. That, yes, that, yes, that's true, man. Look, Kenny, um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time, but more importantly than that, uh, I'll say it publicly, really, truly appreciate uh, your friendship. You've been as solid as anybody I've known, whether it be in racing or otherwise. Really, uh, since I started back in 1992, you've always been kind and helpful and encouraging and been a, been a bright light for a lot of people and entertained a lot of people along the way. And I uh, really do appreciate your friendship. Thank you so much. Well, you know, I truly love you, Herman. You're one of the rare people in my life that when I see 
I'm comfortable with. You know, I know, I know right away I can just start talking to you normally. Uh, you're awesome, and thank you so much for having me on, Senator. Yeah, it's Everybody an honor. Everybody there, just a lot of fun, everybody. It was a real honor. We want you back, and we really, really, really want you, because I know you can fit through the window of one of those open-wheel <laughs> modifieds. That's how Hermes <laughs> suffered his injuries, because he couldn't fit through the window. So we'd love to see you slip in the side window there on the driver's side in one of our Sadler Stanley Racing uh, the number 16 or the number 39, we'd love to get you out there for a smart series tour or maybe even think about uh, North Wilkesboro. That'd be great, too. Might but get memory what an honor. To call you, for that you, one. Got mm-hmm. you got it. You got it. What an honor. 100%. Thank you so much, Thank man. Thank you so nice much, Kenny. We appreciate everybody. We'll be right back with one more segment of Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic, right after this. Don't go away. Who's going to take care of your family if something happens to you? What would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to GoliathLife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to GoliathLife.com. Hey, this is Bill Stanley, Hermie Sadler's sidekick on this podcast. But when I'm not in Richmond at the Capitol or doing this podcast, my real job for the past 27 years is as a trial attorney with the Stanley Law Group. Here at the Stanley Law Group, we represent our clients in every courthouse in the Commonwealth. No problem is too small for us to solve. No case is too big for us to win. Whether it's criminal charges, traffic offenses, civil disputes, litigation matters of any sort, we handle it all. We make sure we treat every client like family because they are to us. Your problem is our problem. Your success is our success because we hate to lose more than we love to win. And believe me, we win a lot. Don't believe me? Go ask Hermie. I'm his favorite lawyer. Give us a call at 540-721-6028 and let us help you. Or visit our website at www.vastanleylawgroup.com. At the Stanley Law Group, we'll make sure that we are the lawyers that you swear by and not at. And we're back. What an interview that was with Kenny Wallace. I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm having them one of the greatest days ever here at <laughs> Fosho. And I'm leaning right. And I'm Hermie Sadler, and I'm turning left. Yeah, Kenny is a great guy. Wow. Been a great friend for a long time and a good racer, even probably better than that on TV. And, you know, he is always smiling and laughing. I'm not saying he's always in a good mood. But always smiling and laughing and uh, enjoyed working with him all the years I did. Not only racing on the track, but certainly with Speed and Fox and all things in between. You know, and Chep was talking about, and we still got Chep with us, but uh, Chep was talking about personalities really driving the sport. And the two of you, though, even in the booth, in the, in, in the analysis, and you just brought everything home. And I know, you know, I tell you this, and I'm not trying to do it to, to butter your butt, but uh, your personality with his personality was electric and good television. And that's why, you know, for speed, I mean, that was, that's where it seemed to be where so grassroots racing was. You want me to run for Senate? Yes. You want me to go back to work for Fox? Correct. Anything but, else while we're, while we're at Why don't we revive the speed channel? You want me to drive? You got to drive. 15 uh, smart modified tour races? Five. We can start with 10, maybe the max. And so by saying all that, what you don't want me to do is stay married. 
Well, I, I didn't know marriage was a part of this. <laughs> didn't he mention wrestling shows back wrestling? not too far ago yeah, at the racetrack? Absolutely We've right. I before. think maybe we get to... That'll be your wheelhouse. Uh, oh, yeah. I, Hermie, did you have... Security, I still have my license, Security actually. man back to go. Now, when you were wrestling, did you have a... Hermie, did you have a, a nickname like the, the Herminator or... Hermelicious. Most, most like at home now. I answer to most anything. Oh, okay. So yeah, there are pictures of you in the ring and they are yeah. pretty fierce. But most of the shows that I did, uh, Shep was there. I don't, I don't know. If the first pay per view I did was in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And then I did one. Tennessee? Did one at the Nashville at, the, at, Nashville at the, uh, Civic Auditorium yeah. with Ron Killings. See, that's badass. You wrestled uh, Ron Killings right here in Emporia. At the, at the, at the high school. At yeah. the high school. Yeah. Mm. That's a YouTube, you know. I, I mean, he was everywhere. He's still everywhere. He's on PRN like what every third. Yeah, I'll Thursday. with Cal Petty and uh, Jeff Hammond to be the co-host of PRN Fast Talk on Mondays. And now, not only that, he's gotten me hooked. Every Wednesday morning, my alarm goes off at six forty-five. Wow! <laughs> so at seven o'clock, I can turn on the my Maverick phone. Talk Show one hundred two point three. Are you, are you streaming that? And listen, I listen right straight? down to the meat, uh, the meat call that they make right at the end. Oh, wow. And uh, Huggy Bear. Huggy Bear, yeah. How's Huggy Bear doing? Is he getting some hugs? He loves that nickname, too. You got to give him a t-shirt that just says, Huggy please Bear. hug me. So, as always, we're off subject. <laughs> it's my fault. It's my fault. <laughs> we came back to... You haven't been here and we show, still do this crap. But we have sponsored elements in our show, the leaning right moment and the turning left moment. Unfortunately, oh. the turning left moment. No, 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 no. I have you a sponsor. I have Do received. You? I want to see the check. It's in the form of cash and it's on the way. So I'm, I locked it in. So is he writing it, it back? In. Is he writing the. Uh, no, no, is I, he trust the guy. Front I trust the guy. I trust the guy. It's a three trial, a three episode trial run. Oh. All right. It's We've mentioned it before, um, but we are pulling the trigger. There is a coalition. And so the turning left moment will be. Spons is sponsored by the coalition, the coalition to draft Hermie Sadler for state senate in the seventeenth district. Sponsored by none other than Lee Talley and his son Harry, and I will make the intro of that. And so maybe we'll start with your turning left moment before my leaning right moment. That is brought to you by the coalition to draft Hermie Sadler for senate. Is Lee Talley, Harry Talley, great Americans, love their country, love Virginia, and they know what's best for Virginia. And quite frankly, they think that we need a fighter here in Southside Virginia in the new 17th Senate District, and they think that fighter has two names, Hermie and Sadler. I'm going to have so to move. they want to make sure that Virginia is a safer place, a better place, a greater place, and the only way is by having a strong voice in the state Senate to fight the liberal agenda of the Northern Virginia elites alongside one of the greatest senators to ever be a senator in Virginia, uh, uh, Bill Stanley. <laughs> and I'm gonna so, have to move to his district if it's all oh, this is true, man. I think we've got we've got momentum. We got Mo. I think they're gonna set up probably a Facebook page. This really? turning left moment is brought to you by the Coalition to Draft Hermie Sadler for the 17th Senate District in Virginia. Thank you, Lee Talley. Thank you, Harry Talley. Great listeners. Harry's great. Loves the show. Listens to it uh, every week. And uh, thank you for coming on board for this trial run. Three episodes. I'll show you the money later. Hermie. I am honored to be here for this turn and left moment. I had no idea. All right. The turning left moment. He's a winner now. He is a winner. The turning winner. left moment. Obviously, the Cup Series raced at Kansas this past weekend. Great race. I love that racetrack, by the, the way. The winner of that race was Kurt Busch. Even better. The bigger story to all that is, while it was the second race win for 23, 
11 racing. Uh, first with Kurt Busch for the team. They had the Jordan brand on the car, Jordan yep. brand paint scheme, and won that race with car number 45 on it, which not only has significance because Michael Jordan, that's the number he wore when he made his return. From baseball. From baseball back to you – know, that was his number in baseball too. Yes. Yep. But his number back with the Bulls when he came back, it also was the number that was in competition with Adam Petty the late great son of Kyle Petty. That's right. And if you remember a couple of years ago when Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan were putting this team together, they actually, I'm not saying they had to, but they chose to call and meet with and get permission from Kyle Petty to carry the number 45, which had not been really in competition since the death of Adam Petty. Well, Kyle drove wow. the 45 one time, did he, did. he not? Yeah. Yes. And he, he was wearing the 45 hat. That's what I remember. Yellow? No, that was Sprint. That's Sprint. Yeah. Back in back in the day. Yeah. But tragic um, loss. Yeah. For Adam, Adam was great for that uh, family. But so Kurt Busch gets a win, qualifies for the playoffs, wins in the 45, the Jordan brand car for that race team and big big weekend for them. How does so when the Bush brothers came in, you know, you you didn't like either one of them. Uh, Kyle seems to maintain that villain type status, but Kurt over the years, I mean, he's been with what five different teams. Now he's one with yeah, five different all teams. All four different manufacturers he's won in. It's all, it's four. Oh, Dodge. Yeah. So he's Chevy, Toyota, Dodge, Ford, and Ford. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty amazing feat. I mean, I think he is probably Hall of Fame destined, but but now, I mean, I, I know my son and I were excited at the end of the race when he won, and it's an amazing transformation because. What was that race? What is it? Talladega, where he raced right to the last lap, bumping side, side to side with the not Ricky Craven. Who was that? Oh, that was Darlington. Darlington. Okay, that was it. And 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 then you know he came and shook the guy's hand. And who was he? Who won that? Ricky race? Craven. Ricky Craven. Okay. And the then uh, yeah. And then you know. And then after that, he became kind of a villain, and the Bush brothers became a villain. Yeah. Um, but I was thrilled that he won that race and did it in the way that he did. I mean that's. That's great. I told this story on PRN, but I'll tell it again for the podcast by Kurt Bush. You know, so all the years I was racing and doing TV, I was always friends with Kurt, but not not personal. We didn't run in the same circles per se. But there was a time when we had been to Fontana racing and I was doing TV. The next weekend was Phoenix, but in the middle of those two races, in between Fontana and Phoenix, Jimmy Johnson had his charity golf event out in San Diego. Uh-oh. So I was out playing in Jimmy's golf tournament in San Diego. For And what my plan was, I think this tournament was like on Tuesday. So I was going to play in Jimmy's tournament on Tuesday, maybe stay in San Diego to Thursday, and then fly to Phoenix on Friday for my TV duties that weekend. Mm -hmm. Well, for some reason, I got paired in a foursome with Kurt Busch at Jimmy Johnson's golf tournament. So we get done playing golf. And like I said, we're friends, but never hung out, I guess you could say. Acquaintances. Kurt says, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going back to the hotel. I'm staying here till Friday, you know, and then flying on to Phoenix. He said, won't you come on and go with me? I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Vegas for three days. Then I'm going to fly back to Phoenix. <laughs> oh, is this the Vegas story? Is so, this when everybody left? At the so, dinner table? So I... <laughs> he has so many Vegas stories. So I 
call Angie and I say, change the plan. <laughs> I'm not staying in San Diego for mm. a couple of days. I'm flying with Kurt Bush to Vegas and then flying to Phoenix with him. Bet that went well. She I immediately he didn't say hung those up the exact phone on words. Me. She hung up on you? She hung up on me. Oh, shocker. <laughs> so I go get all my stuff together, did you, load did up. Did you try to call her back? No yeah. Did you try get, to call her back? Get on, the fl- get on the plane and we fly to Vegas. Well, the first night we're there at Vegas, Kurt and I, all of a sudden, we're buddies. buddies. We got a villa mm. at the Bellagio, and we're having a party, and um, Carrot Top is there. 50 Cent is there. Um, was it Mr. Belvedere or the guy from Saved by the no, Bell? No, that's, a, that's a different. Oh, okay. Different, different. <laughs> so, anyway, I stay up with Kurt, and I have a ball for three days in Vegas. Never went to bed. We get up Friday morning, and we fly to Phoenix. I'm doing the first cup practice show that Friday morning. And Kurt, at that time, was driving the furniture road number 78. So we fly. We get. I didn't have a car because I was going to meet Elliot at the track later. I ride with Kurt, fly with him to Phoenix, get in his rental car, drive to the track. So I get off at the TV compound, get ready to do work. He's going in to practice. My luggage is still in Kurt's car. First lap on the track. In practice, Kurt hits the wall. First lap. So I'm doing, but Kurt wasn't assigned to my area in the garage. He was, whoever, maybe Matt Yoakum or whoever it was, was doing the other side of the garage. So Kurt, I think he hit the wall, but not so that he couldn't, he drove in. And the producer says, okay, it may not have been Matt Yoakum. So they said, okay, somebody go get, Kurt, let's see what happened. They want to go interviewing. So a few minutes later, the interviewer comes back in the callback and says, I can't, Kurt blew me off. He will not talk. He's pissed. He's not going to talk. So then my producer hits me up and says, didn't you fly here with Kurt today? And I said, yeah. He said, go interview him. He won't talk to whoever. I'm like, oh, sure. No problem. So I walk over there. We're (laughs) We're buddies. We hung out. For three days in Vegas, I flew him over here. My luggage is in his car. I mean, <laughs> typically best friend. I walk over, and then before I can even get there, he's like, why in the blankety-blank would you come blankety-blank talk? What the blankety-blank you think I'm going to talk about? Da, 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 da. I just crashed, and I, exactly what I said to him. I said, I went from trying to smile and kind of be, I, I, I said, Kurt, I understand I'm not going to interview. But if you don't talk to me right now, as long as I'm doing TV on this network, I'll never interview you again. <laughs> and he said, oh, what do wow. you mean? Power said, of the mic. It's not my fault. So you blow me off if you want to, but I'll never interview you again. So I started walking off and then he, <clears throat> you know, came and we ended up talking. I'm not saying it was the best interview, but he did talk. Now, see, I think he learned that from Angie. Think about it. If you don't do this, Hermie, I'm never talking to you again. And he knows that she means it. When we go, so back he knew to, he could use this here. I think we go back to the initial phone call. I think it probably went like, Angie, you know, I, I'm I'm exhausted, but Speed wants me to go out to Vegas. We got to do some appearances. Let me tell a lie. Do some, tell a lie. We're gonna do some you testing. Tell a falsehood. At the track. That's what you want me to do. We're gonna do some <laughs> testing out at the track. You want me and, to tell a falsehood? You know, so I'm gonna be in Vegas for three days. Now I could see hanging out with a guy named Bob Villa. 
Yeah, I could see <laughs> that happening. Not that, hey, I'm just going with Kurt Busch. Yeah. Now, I will say, I was fortunate enough one time to meet Kurt Top with Hermie in Vegas. He took us to the show. It was great. Yeah. Did we go in his office and all? We went all the way back in the green room. He introduces time. his friends to all his top talent. Friends. Oh, I know. Yeah. But the moral of the story is... Uh, I think what you don't go to, a, to don't go to the Bellagio and spend two days awake with uh, with three, Kurt Busch and expect oh, to talk days. to him on TV three, three days, days later. If he wrecks, <laughs> first lap. Uh, but Kurt, over time, has really grown into somewhat of a fan favorite. Yeah, and people like him. They they like the older, uh, more experienced, old school yeah. type guys like oh, Kurt yeah. Busch is, and uh, I've grown to really like him and spend some time with him over the years. And and a good guy, good win. Big for that race team, big for the number 45, big for the Jordan brand and everything that's going on with Michael Jordan uh, being involved in the sport. Yeah, time time matures us all, they always say. Um, and this is one of those moments where you like to see that big grin of Kurt Busch. Yeah. And, and, I mean, he was so gracious in winning. That was also pretty good. Do you see a, a, a trend here, Senator, with my relationship with, like, Kurt Busch? And what did Kenny Wallace tell you as far as our relationship I'm Everything's of, perfect. Never I'm had a bad moment. Guys. Yeah, that's right. Never I, had a bad moment. Not. He told me he could talk to me about any time. He about felt anything. normal around right. you. Right. Which, of course, Kenny Wallace why, normal. Why don't you? Huh? Why don't you feel normal? Oh, around I feel totally normal. I just have to know when I'm billing four hundred bucks an hour and when I'm not. That's. <laughs> I just don't know when I'm on <laughs> and the that, clock and, and when the, I'm that's not. That's rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a cut rate. Yeah, that's yeah. cut rate. Now, what what would you say about though? We're looking at these next gen cars. I'm seeing a lot of left uh, left rear tires going down. In practice, I think they lost four or five cars. People were going to backup cars just on a flat tire because when they when they lose it, they're going up in the wall and they're spinning. Uh, saw it a lot in the race. What's going on there? I mean, are they changing tire pressure, camber? It's got to be. Setup? It's got to be a combination of camber, but more so air pressure because the lower you can start air pressure and let it build over oh, time, man. the more grip you're going to have at the end of a run. Because let's let's you know a lot of things are complicated. Mm -hmm. But if we simplify that issue to a point, you would you would say, if the issue was simply with the tire, everybody's tires would blow, and it's not everybody's tires. Now, uh, the last thing I'll ask you about the race in Kansas, and I love that track. I, I love that track because I can beat my son on PS4 on that track. <laughs> Otherwise, he's put me in the fence in almost every racetrack we race together in our race room, our rig room that has one of these kind of well, similar Hermie Sadler type posters. When we get done with this, Ned, you tell me you've got a lot of experience at Kansas. Mm -hmm. We're going to my house and you're going to get in the sim seat, I racing rig, and run a few laps at Kansas in a truck. I might have to do so that. So do I'm, you have the same setup Elliot's got? Mm -hmm. Well, similar. That's yeah, but yeah, but he didn't pay retail, I bet. Hey, how about you get them to sponsor your turning left moment and give me a discount for a sim seat? You said this. The turning left moment was already sponsored and for fully three funded. episodes. I think we can we can go deeper with Sim, uh, Sim seats and and Sim seats is great. Uh, my my last question is, what in the heck is going on in the other twenty three eleven car? Bubba Wallace had so many problems with the pits, pit crews. You think these guys are all top drawer and they were making mistakes that were kind of you you, you well, think he, they he wouldn't went do by it. Himself, he ended up coming back for a top ten finish, which was a good day. For him, but Denny Hamlin had problems on pit road. Truex had problems on pit road. Well, those were a lot of pit penalties. Yeah. Though. Why? Were, I mean, why well, are they? It seems like Eric they're Jones more prolific. Spent Thirty there. minutes on pit road trying to get a tire off. So right. that's true. You know, there's a lot of issues as it relates to that. But it's new. It's different. What caused that? What caused the tire uh, not coming off? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Do you think it's the design of the car? Because when you and I were talking offline uh, with Ryan Newman when we were testing at Caraway, uh, Ryan Newman's an engineer, like a real Purdue bo Boilermaker engineer, and he was going into chapter and verse some of the problems structurally with the car. 
and was talking about the wheel being a, a part of that problem, even the single nut li- yeah. lug nut system. Uh, do you see NASCAR making any changes to the to the vehicle? Because everything's supposed to be the same now. They got to buy it all one source. Any, any any comments I would make about that would be simply speculation because I honestly don't know enough about it to know what they're doing, what they're trying to change, what what options they may have. I don't. Uh, I I don't. I purely be speculating, but they, the the one thing I will say is it makes no sense for an issue like that with a new thing in NASCAR, new parts, new pieces, new equipment, when something goes wrong, to suspend yeah. a crew member for four races right. when they're already limiting people coming to the track as you know as a result of previous rules. So I hope they work through all that. Yeah. So uh, the leaning right moment. Do you want to mention your sponsor again for that? Of course. The Leaning Right Moment is brought to you by Charlie's Waterfront Cafe in beautiful downtown Farmville, Virginia. Uh, Our almost founding sponsor here for the Leaning Right Moment. Uh, Whenever you want a great meal in Farmville, Virginia, you might be shopping at Greenfront Furniture. You might be going to Longwood University to see one of your kids or maybe even Hamden, Sydney to see one of your boys. Come to Charlie's Waterfront Cafe. Great food, great entertainment, great atmosphere, great, great Graziano. Brought to you by Senator Bill Stanton. He had a stellar uh, appearance on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He did. He did indeed. I think we'll probably see more of him, actually. Uh, although I do like driving out here. I mean, I've, I drove all the way from Franklin County, Virginia, Franklin out here County. to Emporier. And, um, Emporier. Emporier. <laughs> <laughs> to see the Southside Mafia, which is you two. And uh, really, we were oh, really yeah. excited. It was a field trip. You know, we're coming out Let's here. Go. And so this is fun. So you got to come I'll out. I'll stop Frank- in Jamestown and. Did you stop to see Tommy Norman over in Williamsburg? Uh, we're not going that far. We're not. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're not going. No, I won't say what I was going to say. Uh, we're not. We're not going that oh, far. Oh. But uh, so my leaning right moment always is uh, as a state senator, which hopefully one day you will be, Hermie. Um, it's a lot of pressure. You know, I've always learned to make a good relationship with the press. Be honest with them. Don't don't fiddle fart around. Don't sit there and give platitudes. Give them a good quote. Tell them the truth. You know and, why? Yeah. The four letters. What's that? F O. I, (laughs) they're supposed to be the on-site instant foyer, aren't they? So, you know, yeah, but I've always learned in politics, just don't lie. You know, even if it sucks for you, just take it. Because sometimes you're going to get bad press. You do bad things. I think I may have said this to you, Hermie, but not on the podcast. My my worst press I ever got was when I was redistricted after one year as a state senator. I moved south. Another uh, Republican senator moved into what was my district, the 19th. I moved to the 20th to run against a Democrat. And they sent an investigative team of reporters from the Roanoke Times down to inspect whether we had actually really moved. And they were challenging the other senator at the time, who I won't mention that he really lived there. He was using it as an address, but he was still living in his oh. house outside the district. I had actually moved. And the reporter asked me and says, well, you know, he says, well, we went over there and we looked through the garbage and we didn't see any garbage in the garbage can. And I said, well, if I see one of your reporters with their head in my garbage can, they're going to get a snoot full of my Glock. Front page. Stanley threatens Senator Stanley threatens news reporter. Well, I actually helped me in my district because, you know, I'm, I'm pro gun, pro Second Amendment. Um, but if you do it, you say something stupid, you earn it. Well, in our case right here, we we have discussed this earlier. Why we got this case continued, because we want to try the case once, not twice. In a letter to the judge, I said, these are all the scenarios. One was, you know, we could get called back on the day of trial, which would cause me to have to continue the case under what's called Virginia Code Rule 30-5, which doesn't compel us to have to be in court. They have to continue a court case if you're a lawyer or a party and you're in the state legislature for obvious reasons. But I didn't invoke that. Well, 
Uh, right there, one of the news, news uh, sources thought, well, uh, that's too boring an answer. And I gave him a half hour, 45 minute interview. And the, and the headline was Virginia Senator involved in skill game suit invokes special session to delay hearing. Not As if I used my position and power in the office to get a continuance and also to continue this matter uh, on where the skill games would go on, which was the furthest thing from the truth. And it really, you know, you get upset because I know you got to sell papers and this is not a traditional media source. But but at the same time, you know, when I tell you something, I'm telling you the truth. Just report the truth, even if it's unvarnished, good or bad. But I felt like we were taken advantage of because then they went into the article about how Hermie Sadler gave me a, a donation. I even looked at him. I said, you, you gave me money? <laughs> I forgot. Well, the, the whole and that you'd hosted Jason Miari's here at Fosha, wasn't it? Or the Sadler Travel Plaza for me. Uh, Jason and, and Governor Allen came by when they started their RV tour before he was even elected. Like that had something. But after the lawsuit had already started, and he wasn't the Attorney General after we, you know, he didn't become Attorney General until after we won. That's right. And I got, I remember seeing your post over the weekend, maybe. Or last week about what he's just talking about, you know, at least report the truth. And, you know, the the ongoing narrative has been since the beginning of our lawsuit has been. It's all about the money. Y'all are only doing this because of money. And that's been a narrative from the media since we started. That was kind of a narrative that the attorney general's office initially was was trying to hint at. That you know, be honest. It's really just about the money. Well, they have no other spin, and there was and, and there was no way that we could win this case. No way that we could get the skill games turned back on. Just no way. And if we did, then it was home cooking because we'd filed the case in Greensville. Right. Well, you know, or I, the I, the court was wrong. I was upset at, at, at that article that Bill is referring to as well because it kind of insinuated that the only reason why we wanted this continuance is so Hermie could operate his skill games another six months. Right. And it had nothing at all, nothing that we've done since the first day we filed a lawsuit had anything to do with just games of skill and had nothing to do with just Just me. It was, it's a group of small business owners and operators that in our view are being singled out and punished unfairly and unconstitutionally by the government that's supposed to be protecting them. Exactly right. And the, and the biggest problem was, is they seem to think it's funny they want to get rid of the skill games and in my mind the, the fix is in there. Yeah. Oh, oh sure. but they can't understand uh, that we could actually win this case and when we do uh, that there must be some ulterior motive or I'm misusing Your the power. privilege of, of my office to do so, right. and and it's insulting, it insults my intelligence and may get people to clickbait you know and, and check on it, but be truthful and the and the story had an ounce of truth in it of all the 45 minutes I spent with them. Uh, but mostly anybody who read it took away, well, Stanley must have used his authority power to get him an extension so they can keep the narrative it dis- going. It dis- it's it all discredits about the credits everything that we've done. And that so you've done, yeah. a couple other legislators chimed in too, mostly, you know, on the Democratic side are like, here we go. Here's another legislator that's taking advantage of the system. And I, you know, and I responded back to a couple of them and said, look, I understand your viewpoint and your slant. But is anybody going to mention the fact that there is a positive here? And that positive is, is that all of these small businesses across the Commonwealth of Virginia are going to continue to operate these games legally and benefit from the revenue of it legally in the midst of not only trying to recover from a pandemic, 
but in one of the worst small business atmospheres than anybody could ever imagine. High inflation, no, nobody, high gas prices. Nobody, nobody, nobody mentioned it. Well, you know, what, why would they? Because it doesn't fit the narrative. Right. And that's the unfair part. And so if that, if that reporter wants to talk to me again, he can send me uh, questions in writing and I'll write them in writing so that there's no question yeah. on what I say to them. And if, if it's not reported fairly and accurately, uh, then I'll have something to back it up. But otherwise, I have great relationships with with reporters and I, you know, look, I'm usually the enemy because I'm you, the conservative and they, they don't agree with you us. Knew but this was I coming. still treat them fairly. You knew this was coming because when we talked that one night, I guess when when that uh, reporter or the, who wrote that article called, you said, you know, I was told this person was probably going to do a hit piece on me. I'm glad I got to talk to him, you know, but I don't know if that'll. I, I gave him the truth and answered all his questions, but the way it came out. Whether it was him or whether some pressure he was getting from somebody yeah. or from his side or from maybe casinos or whatever the case may be, uh, he was determined, it seemed like, to put a hit piece out on you regardless of what the truth was. And, and that's the way it came out. So it's unfortunate. You know, look, I, I'll take it when I deserve it. Seriously. Uh, have no problem with that. Especially you got pretty big size shoulders. Well, and, I and, can see. And look, I try to be careful, but at the same time, truthful. And at the same time, I'm not going to, you know, if I've done something wrong and they want to call me on it, they should. Now. Uh, conversely, then, uh, there is the Cardinal News, which I know you've just been interviewed by one of their reporters, Marcus Schmitz, about skill games. Mm -hmm. But there's a guy there that's called, uh, that's named Dwayne Yancey. He's the editor. Cardinal News is a, a, is a website-based, uh, informative, very straight newsy, uh, but with a Southside Southwest touch to it. And uh, Dwayne was the longtime editor of the uh, Roanoke Times. And I used to trade on the Roanoke Times hating me. I mean, they hated me. They'd endorse everybody who ran against me. I would tell them, please endorse the other person because it helps me It'll in my help district. Win, yeah. uh, Dwayne Yancey wrote a couple nice things about me in school modernization because I've been pushing for modernizing our schools in the Commonwealth. And I called him up and I said, listen, Dwayne, are you trying to get me a primary? Because the minute the Roanoke Times starts writing something nice, uh, then I'm cooked. You know, uh, they'll primary me. They'll think, obviously, obviously, maybe liberals like me for a little bit. Uh, be that as it may, he's always been a fair editor, calls balls and strikes right down the middle. Calls us both out. Well, he put out a, a, a little story um, this last week as well. Said the side of it was titled "The Side of Politics More People Should See," and he was there during a, a meeting of the Booker T. Washington Commission, which is trying to get a statue for the for Booker T. Washington at our Capitol. Uh, and they met. Uh, Booker T. Washington Monument is right there down the street from my office. My office is a historic building built in 1798. I gave uh, the commission the use of my uh, conference room. And they all drove down and and one of those and the commission chairman, one of those people is a Democrat from Hampton named Mamie Locke. And as soon as Mamie and I and, and and Yancey showed up and as soon as Mamie, I didn't really think he was there. I wouldn't think he was there. But as soon as I saw Mamie, we, you know, walked over immediately, hugged each other because we hadn't seen each other. while. Well, we have genuine infection, uh, affection for each other. And uh, he wrote about that is that isn't that something we should have a little more a black Democrat from Hampton hugging a white conservative from Southside, Southwest Virginia. And that's that's really the core of it. Man, we fight like cats and dogs on the floor. Um, we may differ, but it reminds me of when Winsome Sears was on this podcast and said, we can disagree without being disagreeable because I love Mamie Locke. I mean, I love her, have enormous respect. We don't agree on much of anything at all. Um, but when I saw her, I was real happy to see her because she's like a friend. Everybody's in there. I love Louise. Um, you know, I, I tend to tend to really respect, even though I don't agree with some of my Democrat friends more than some of my Republican friends. I mean, so 
you know, that's the part of politics you don't see. So in one week we saw where it turns ugly, where there may be an agenda and a hit piece. And then, dang nabbit, they caught us hugging, hugging it out and, uh, and really enjoying it and having genuine affection for one another. So that's kind of the balance of what we've had this week in politics. We've not gone back to the General Assembly yet. We still have that budget out there. The question of whether the language of trying to ban, overregulate, or what have you, skill games is still looming. Wow. And, uh, and that's how we move forward. But I just thought a really nice article from the Cardinal News and Dwayne Yancey. And um, unfortunately, just really disappointed in the, in the one before because it wasn't what it said it was. Shep, you got anything to add to this? Well, yes, I would telecast? just like to close. You know, what y'all are doing with skill games and what it's doing for small businesses in your segment of business, it's very similar to what other types of businesses have had to do from delivery to DoorDash to Facebook Lives to uh, if they weren't in e-commerce, they've had to get in e-commerce. If they weren't on social media, they've had to get on social media to survive these last couple of years. And then the next couple of years coming up, maybe not quite as promising as what we hope they could be with the economy. So recession's coming, but yes, this is bigger than just skill games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the legislators need to understand what small businesses are going through. They need to support them. Our local uh, communities have done such a wonderful job of supporting all of our businesses. I know you hear at Faux Show. I was here a month ago on Friday night. This place was absolutely packed. So small businesses need the legislator support, and we need the continued support of all of our communities. Yeah, and we can get rid of the illegal ones at the same time. It's pretty easy. It can be done so easy. It's really easy. If we just sit there and do our job in the General Assembly, buckle down and say, We've allowed, we've allowed skill games for eons. We allow the claw games, the, the ring tosses. We allow the state fair. Let's allow these games because they have a component of First Amendment protection. Let's define for our localities what's an illegal game. And let's move on. Let's get the tax revenue for the localities and for the state. We can do so much with it. Let's do the right things. Let's not just sit here and fiddle fart around. And it could have been done with casino interests a and, year ago. Oh, absolutely. It could have been done a year ago. But, you know, we, <laughs> when you think about foresight, uh, we do better as a General Assembly upon reflection than seeing out into the oh, future absolutely. properly. Because otherwise, if we're looking out in the future and trying to guess and stay ahead of something, we usually screw it up so bad that we have to come back and fix it. I mean, look at marijuana. So hey, I want to read this before we get out of here. Um, Senator, I know one of the people that in politics and in Virginia that you respect and care about, like I do, is former Governor George Allen. Yep. So when this let's just call it for the sake of this podcast hit piece came out on Senator Stanley. Um, usually on most cases like this, I'll touch base with Senator first and get his permission to put out a rebuttal. In this case, I did not. I just decided I had not called him in three days. So yeah. he thought he was uh, off the chain. But I, I basically <laughs> just went on out there and said, Hey, that's not right. This is, this is really the, the true story of why we're, why we did what we did as it relates to the continuance and here's the other side of the story, all the businesses are being helped. And so I put a Facebook post up, George Allen, governor Allen comes up later and responds to my quote and says, I found in the person's name that wrote the article, I won't mention his name here. You can figure it out if you want to go dig into that. But George Allen says, I found blank to be a fair reporter through many years. 
the special interest, well-paid henchmen have probably given him some of this attempted disparaging information. I am 100% in favor of a level playing field and a free market without the government picking who can compete fairly. Virginia has had skill games, lottery, and horse racing for a long time and now has opened all sorts of gambling. That's all okay with me, although I don't participate all that much in any of them. That would probably apply to you too, Senator Stanley. I don't participate at all. Let people decide for themselves is my personal view. On this particular issue, it doesn't seem logical or fair to favor only big casinos, state government lottery, or sports betting, while at the same time stopping customers at small businesses who wish to play skill games. There's no apparent rationale or reason to protect some skill games or gambling and discriminate against or put our businesses or other regulated skill games and small businesses out of business. Good luck to you, Hermie, and to your other small business owners in Virginia. The judge seems to be agreeing with your legal arguments so far. What a class act. Always has been. And what a class but act. But when you read that, it just sounds so common sense. Like could be so easy. Mm-hmm. That's the way it's you let the people decide. And Well, look, sometimes, sometimes the biggest fights aren't the most popular fights. Not true. popular to the government, but popular to the people. Right. And this is one of those grassroots fights that started us together on this podcast and our journey together. I mean, we just looked at each other and said, man, this is unfair. we got to fight it. We and do it. once we had each other locked in arms, we were fighting it. How are we going to get done? For, for a very same reason, you did an interview with a guy when you knew he was going to put out a piece on you. You talked to him, tried to give him the facts. It turned into a hit piece anyway. But this podcast gives us ample time to explain yeah. our side of the story. And a lot of people in Richmond and involved in politics and law and otherwise are listening to this podcast because we both hear from them. And we're convincing them with just the facts and and a logical argument and a common sense argument that is always usually foreign uh, to a government entity. Anything that makes common sense does not have a chance to pass in the legislature. But I'm telling you right now, uh, I think that's been a part of our journey. It's not all of the journey, but... But even in the in the race team, we're we're going into those rural areas where they're depending on these games and these small businesses. Absolutely, and we're getting the word out, but also we're saving short tracks and we're trying to to bring the plight uh, some attention. That is when small businesses suffer from government overreach, because you know you know the most dangerous thing in America is a successful small business owner. It's dangerous to corporate America, like your big casinos. It's dangerous to your governments, and yet governments could not survive without the backbone of society, and that's a small business owner like Hermie Sadler and all those others that are fighting along with us, and we appreciate them. I'm going to say one other thing to close, and I say this every chance I get. The This skill game issue, I mean, I've never taken on anything quite like this. It's a daunting, it's daunting. task yeah. to look ahead at what you're trying to take on, and we're taking on, Senator, billions and billions of dollars of influence and money against us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're doing the right thing. We're doing it for the right reason. But I try to remind people, the circuit court and the Supreme Court of Virginia have agreed with our legal arguments to this point. Yes. I hope at some point in this process, some of your colleagues in the General Assembly will look at that and understand why we've been winning to this point and help us get back to a situation where all we're really looking for 
is an opportunity to sit down at a table. It can be us. It can be legislators. It can be casinos. It can be Rosies. It can be representatives from whoever. And should be. We want to come up. All we want to do is come up with a fair and equitable tax and regulation system that works for small businesses. And Rosie's has their deal. Casinos has their deal. Everybody else has their deal. And then let's combine our resources in terms of creating funding and maybe a task force of some description so we can all get rid of the illegal operators that really and truly is the real enemy of all of us. That's really everybody who's listening to this. You can sit on whatever side of the fence you want, think what you want, whatever the case may be. But all we want is a fair and equitable system that we can work under. That's all. Fairness is something that we should all aspire to. Fairness is not something that should be hard to get to. And what I'm finding out is there are people out there don't aspire to it and don't want to get to it. But we're going to keep fighting for fairness. And I think, you know, listen, I'm proud to stand with you, brother. And uh, and I'm I'm very proud of what we've done for a lot of these small businesses that can continue to operate. So and thanks for the kind words, Chef. I appreciate uh, it. And people listening, look, you're listening to the podcast. Be sure to follow all the social media channels and handles that, you know, leaning right and turning left have. Invite your friends to uh, follow those pages and share these posts because that's just another effective way of getting this message out. It's so important. Right. Give now. us a five star rating. Go to our Facebook page, Leaning Right and Turning Left. Uh, go to SadlerStanleyRacing.com. Uh, come see us any day and, and be sure to a- ask us questions for each show because uh, we're going to have with, in our next uh, go round a new segment called Hermitology, where oh, you ask Hermit well, a question to, to explain something. I did not. <laughs> I just came up with it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, what an awesome podcast. I know it's been a little longer than usual, but I, I appreciate your listening and, and your patience. I think we've had a lot of great subjects and had a great guest today. I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm leaning right. Thank you, Shep Moss. And I'm Hermie Sadler. I'm turning left. This has been another episode of Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator and Shep. This week, powered by Pacematic. We'll see you next week. Go conquer the world now. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com.